Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody and welcome to the show that makes Mondays just the best day of the week as long as you're a movie fan because this is the United States of a movie podcast. The podcast where the three of us, me, Ryan and Will, try to figure out one movie to define each state in these United States. It's an incredible debate. It's the highlight of my week every week and it really is making my movie knowledge and movie fandom go to a whole new level. Um, but of course, this show would be nothing if I didn't have my fellas with me. So Ryan, welcome back to the show. You know, it's going to be a great episode when I have to start out by apologizing to the great people of Wyoming. Because <laughs> <laughs> who boy, this is going to be divisive. This is going to be a tough one as well, because yeah, you bought a good one. I bought a classic and my other amazing co-host, Will, welcome back to the show. Hi, I'm uh, going to be calling for Shane to come back for the next two hours. Shane! Come back, Shane! Everybody's favorite character. The character has taken the world by storm. Don't, don't even start. Don't even start with that. Because um, the uh, the state we're trying to take down this week is, is the state of Wyoming. Now, I'm not going to lie that when I w- sort of came up with the idea for this podcast, that this state... And one of these movies, the one that I brought to the table, was actually kind of the thing that inspired it. That I'm like, wow, that's that's the only movie that I really know about Wyoming. I wonder if you could do that for every state. And that's kind of where it came from. Because the one that I'm talking about, the movie that I brought to the table, um, is 1977's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, Steven Spielberg's um, amazing sci-fi movie. I would almost say documentary upon rewatch. It's a very different movie than I expected. But this was the movie that, for me, taught me about Devil's Tower. That's why I know Devil's Tower is in Wyoming, and that is why I heard about Wyoming when I was a kid, because of this movie. I thought all of Wyoming was just made out of a pile of mashed potatoes. So (laughs) it makes sense. That was my perception as a kid as well. Um, But I think this is going to be a fascinating week, because the pair of you brought two movies that, that really do... I mean, bring the Wyoming along with it. Um, Ryan, for example, which one did you bring? One oh, that boy. obviously was on my list as well. Yeah, and 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 doing the research for Wyoming, it's <laughs> it's a pretty it, it's a short list, but the list of movies is pretty impressive. And I ended up going with one of my favorites in the Taylor Sheridan American Western trilogy, uh, Wind River. And then five minutes into this movie, 
I went, oh no, <laughs> this, uh, this is not a great representation. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a dark movie for sure. Um, yeah. Written and directed by Taylor Sheridan. Um, stars, um, it's the, the strangest MCU movie of them all as Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch go off on an adventure in Wyoming. To and Punisher. Scotland. <laughs> and the Punisher. Punisher for half a minute, yeah. And the Punisher, yeah, who gets pretty badly punished himself. Um, like you're saying, it's kind of like um, the third of, of Taylor Sheridan's unofficial neo-Western sort of trilogies. He, he wrote Sicario, which was banger. He wrote Hello High Water, banger. And then he wrote and directed Wind River, which, in my opinion, is also a bit of a banger. Um, but the thing is that, you know, I am a huge movie fan, as is Ryan, but I have to say that my movie knowledge and fandom is very much of the modern era, from around when I was born onwards, where Will is a movie nerd that goes all the way back in history and brings these movies I've never seen to the table. Uh, Will, tell us about your excellent choice. Uh, I brought Shane, which is, uh, once you see this movie, as I was telling the guys in the text read, uh, you see where like 90 other movies came from yep. after this. Oh yeah. Like everybody like ripped off this movie. It's sort of like Nosferatu where you see that movie and you're like, oh, every horror movie director watched this and then they made their own movie. Um, very much Shane same. is very much the same way. Um, yeah, so he's talking about 1953's Shane, uh, directed by George Stevens, starring Alan Ladd, uh, Gene Arthur, Jack Palance turns up in this movie, and we're going to talk oh, yeah. about that. Um, Van Heflin. Um, it was um, just like you said, uh, Will. Um, one of my other ones on the list, and I really wanted to watch it because it's been a while, but it's Unforgiven. And I'm glad I didn't bring Unforgiven because it's exactly the same movie. <laughs> we forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> it's essentially very forgiven. Yeah. I am yeah. forgiven. It's we a were flip flopping back and movie. forth, though. We, we, were, we were dancing back and forth on a number of films that we'll talk about later, but. No, 100%. I, I'm, they were so, like you said, like Ryan, is that the. The choices for Wyoming, though limited, are huge. Just great movies that you just really wanted to get into. Mm -hmm. But like, um, but Shane, yeah, I mean, uh, like, because Unforgiven is a very slow-moving, um, sort of almost introspective western that has a gunfight in the last three minutes of the movie that lasts three seconds, and that's pretty much Shane. I'm, honestly, yeah. <laughs> if you've never seen Shane, Shane is uh, the story of of some sort of. Uh, wandering gunfighter who tries to step away from the life um, uh, and help out on a farm in Wyoming, but is driven to a triple murder and life on the road by the incessant questions and just annoying screams of this small child with brain damage. Is the basically oh, that I want to spend a good hour talking about how much I despise this child and how it's maybe ruined movies for me. Like I might quit the podcast <laughs> based on his performance alone. I mentioned to the missus, I, you know, I said to Mrs. Ollie, she's always asking, so what are the movies this week? And I said, oh, you know, Wind River, Close Encounters. She's okay, cool. And, I go, and Shane, she goes, oh, Shane. I was like, oh, you know Shane? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Shane. And then as the movie ended, I texted her, much like that description I just gave you, and she burst that laugh. She goes, I've been waiting for you to watch this movie because that's Shane. He's like all the time, Shane, Shane, come back, Shane. What are you doing, Shane? I, I, I believe I said to you guys, I've never wished for a child to die of dysentery more. Yeah. It's <laughs> almost as though this, it's like this was the first child actor ever on screen. And then from that point forward, they're just like, don't do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. The, the, not, only, not only is the kid like, um, you know, as you said, Ryan, dead behind the eyes looks like, you know, a soulless demon child, yep. <laughs> also just the worst actor. 
I think that's ever acted. Like just every 50% of the kids' dialogue is the name yeah. Shane. Just uh, Shane, it's come out for my, Shane. My only negative of this movie is his performance and the fact that Jack Palance is only in this for a very small amount of time. He's so yeah. cool yeah. in this movie. Like, you oh. know, I, I, I was uh, going along the lines of, because we, we talked about him in City Slickers and, and him as Curly is just such an iconic sort of moment, iconic role. But then he rolls into town in this movie like the angel of death. And yeah. like just just that's the typical casting. man in black. Like yeah. you know, like you'd see a Yule Brenner in Westworld or you know, um literally any other performance after this. Yeah. And um, it was we, we we do need to touch on the fact that because I was just looking up this actor before we um, Brandon DeWild is the the guy, the actor that that played the uh, the young boy. Uh, I don't remember Jillian? that name. I can't remember his name. I, I, Doesn't matter. I don't care. Exactly. He was, however, nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> <laughs> for he, he was nominated years later when he grew up and changed his name to Adam Driver. <laughs> beloved American actor. He got good, guys. Okay. So he continued acting stage film and television into adulthood before he died at the age of 30 in a car crash in Colorado. So rest in peace, but also... Your character was the worst character. I, I, I've honestly, it's it's kind of like I saw you guys texting about it. Is he like the son of a producer? Is he like you know? Did he win a competition? It's just like <laughs> I think he was made in a factory that produces bad actors. Like just assembled. Like he was like a, it was a Pinocchio thing. He was just put together. Yeah. He would have made, made a great Chuck, like a live action Chucky. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, he's a, very much Children of the Corn. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, but, le- like but less charming. A, a child of the corn and put them in Wyoming. Um, yeah. That is this. This is how this movie comes out. Now, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna dog on a child actor too much because he's a child. But at the same time, I'm gonna put it on maybe the director of going. You must have realized. You yeah. must. I mean, you looking through the camera, right? You're watching the same scenes I'm watching, right? You're listening to that child speak, right? Because there's come not on. enough ADR or fix it and post in the world to to rectify the performance of him but we we don't need to dwell on it i mean we kind of sure come up but there are certain moments that, that were i mean jarring to me so like this is our second george stevens movie we watched giant uh which is his other film that he did after okay. this yeah. clearly he learned his lesson and he like he's like yeah. don't, don't give children any lines don't <laughs> let them speak <laughs> just focus on the adult actors you know clearly i was wondering that like this is this is such a great film and you you wrote that in our group that that it's so clear that this is like the rosetta stone of that kind of era of western films and i think just like i i think every it seemed like every movie at that period just kind of looked like this is very much like a straightforward studio western it looked great mm-hmm. and uh you can definitely tell when there's parts shot on a soundstage yeah, yeah i that, think for the most one, part the, the, like the, the, the dance the wedding party right yeah 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 that's yeah. the only thing, because I was about to say, yeah. like, I wouldn't call it a studio picture, because much like sort of Giant, it had just production yeah. value dripping from it from the first shot. From the yeah, first shot, great. I was like, oh, Will brought a, okay, here we go, well played Will, this is, this is very much Wyoming. You know, again, as we said last time with Giant, George Stevens, he was a cinematographer, so he really understood yeah. how to use the camera, and that's apparent here. He just, yeah, you could tell, oh, for sure. Those shots are just gorgeous. Um, yeah, it did get the Oscar uh, for Best Cinematography, I do believe, in that particular year. Um, I have to be honest, I was um, very much Alan Ladd. I'm like, who? 
You know, this was very completely new to me. But that almost, for, to be quite honest, my sort of lack of real knowledge about sort of some of these these older actors like Gene Arthur and stuff like that is they just are the character. So I'm just watching and going, all right, you know, Alan Ladd, whoever this guy is, I guess he's Shane. He does have an interesting presence to him. You know what I mean? Oh, he, yeah. He, yeah, he's not like the typical, like, Clint Eastwood, like, tough-looking guy. He's he's a... This is going to sound a little mean. I don't mean it to be mean, but he's more average-looking than that. Yeah. He mm-hmm. blends in better. He's a softer character, for sure. Softer, yeah. 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 But you do believe it when he, like, goes into... Shane mode and like yeah. starts beating people up, you know. Shane's off. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, you're, you're so right. But he and he plays that that part so well. He's got this like calm demeanor about him. But but and maybe it's because we've seen you know from this movies like this so many more times. Like you know the character is very capable and he's done some shit yeah. and you know he's just gonna explode. But he doesn't have to. He doesn't do that until like uh, the really long drawn out fight scene. Which yeah. reminded me of the, the body pipe, which reminded me of They Live. I'm like, man, this thing just keeps on going <laughs> and escalating. Well, you say you call him like he has calm demeanor, which is true, apart from the fact that he is extraordinarily jumpy and goes for his gun. Yeah. Anytime yeah. he hears any kind of loud noise, twice yeah. in like within five minutes of meeting this family, like the kid cocks the weapon, he spins around ready to shoot the child. Wish he had. And then, <laughs> and then, the, then the guy goes, come on into my house in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming with my wife and child. And a, a loud noise is made again. And he goes for his gun again. I'm like, dude, get this guy out of your house. Your family is in danger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this Confederate soldier with PTSD, it's like, yeah, just come on in and... Yeah. You know, the guy is like ready to pull his gun on anyone. Times were different back then, yeah. you know. God, it, you, you were right. I mean, the thing is that, that now help me out, Will, because like I said, this is, of course, the first time I'm watching it. The, um, that reveal of him being Confederate soldier, that only comes right at the end when he shows off, he gets Jack Palance face to face, right? That's when he just throws down the, the Yankee comment. Yeah, it, it's like a real subtle um, thing because he calls him a low down Yankee liar, mm. which, you know, Man, back in the day, that was a real insult. Um, uh, but yeah, that that's like the only time it's like, oh, he was a Confederate guy. There might be other clues um, that we that have just been lost over time, mm-hmm. like little subtle things and the costume design and stuff. But yeah. uh, that that's really the part where uh, you're like, oh, this is this guy was a Confederate soldier because they never quite go into a, like a lot of detail about his past. Um, you just know that he's like a wandering gunfighter. Yeah, Right. Well, that's the interesting, interesting thing about him that he does. You, you get nothing really from Shane. Yeah. It's all, all yeah. that kind of mystery. And then the thing is that was quite interesting is you had that other character, the guy that gets killed, um, who yeah. was the other Confederate soldier. The guys were always sort of teasing, you know, yeah. they're always like teasing him with the music and stuff like that. But it's, a, you know, it's always seemed to be good natured joshing. But I was like, I thought that was quite an interesting like, oh, well, there we go. Like we actually got a little character thing um, about Shane. And then I realized as well, as this movie was ending, I go, oh, this is the movie they talk about in The Negotiator. Um, where oh. <laughs> you've seen that with Kevin Spacey yeah. and Samuel L. Jackson, and they're debating about whether or not he's dead at the end. So it's about like, and I was watching because he rides away, and like, so so Kevin Spacey's character series, like, no, he's dead. He's he's dead in the thing. It's why he doesn't look back. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, no, he doesn't look back because he never wants to see that child ever again yeah yeah could not wait to leave that town and be like oh i just oh dear i got shot guess i better leave town bye joey (laughs) out of there 
But what do you think, Will? Like, I'm interested in, in your take because, like, I realize that this is a take some people have had. Like, because the, they don't even really reference that he's been shot until the kid goes, oh, you're bleeding. And you're like, oh, I wonder. Because that guy had the drop on him with the rifle. So, yeah. is he riding off to his death? I mean, like, it's, I didn't feel like that when I watched it. I'm on the Samuel L. Jackson anal- analysis side. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he, I don't think he dies either. He clearly gets hit. Cause like in the, the gunfight, you see him kind of like wince, like I got hit in the shoulder, but if he, I mean, if he does die, it's probably not right there. It's probably from a horrible infection. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> he died so, of dysentery. He died of dysentery. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't think it's meant to be like he died. I think it's really just meant to be like, it doesn't matter. This is this dude's life wherever he goes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just going to be the same way. There's actually, um, another movie that I think deals with the theme a little bit better made around the same time with Gregory Peck called The Gunfighter. Nice. It's essentially the same character, but played by Gregory Peck. So it's awesome. Um, <laughs> and it's it's like the same thing. Like you it's more definitive at the end. But it's like no matter where this guy goes, this is going to be his life. And uh, so I think at the end, it doesn't really matter if he lives or dies. It's just this is this dude's fate. Yeah, you can I- see that this was the genesis for like other genre films are really like we can just do this and tweak one thing it's basically the 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 wandering drifter comes in works with this family the family's being terrorized by some unknown source be it like other ranchers or or native americans heaven forbid but like that they have to band together and then it's just it's a it's a tale as old as time and i i love that that's that type of story it's the yeah. Mandalorian, you know. It's, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. that's why, like, I was about to say, it's like, usually, you know, at this point, I realize I haven't talked about the plot, but it's almost like it, it's much like Will described. It, it is the plot. It is just like it's, it really is that classic gunslinger rolls in. It's Wyoming, so it's um, there's a bunch of homesteaders. So there was the Homestead Act, which enabled people to kind of build their houses in the open range. Now, at the same time, there were people that then had cattle. They wanted to be able to move their cattle across the open range, and it's creating some friction. So he starts working with this one homesteader um, who's got his farm, his wife, and his really annoying son. Just, I'm never going to be able to drop it, that kid. I just wanted to throttle that child. Um, but then, yeah, it's, so the, the, the ranchers are causing trouble, trying to drive the homesteaders out. And it sort of comes down to the fact at the end that, that Shane just sort of realizes that there's an ambush has been set for this guy. The guy's not, you know, he's not going to be able to take this in. Shane's like, I'm a gunslinger. So he knocks, his out, knocks him out to save him. And goes to fight the fight for for he the valley. pistol whips the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After that, like a pretty full on fight as well. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He definitely he lost some memories in that concussion right there for sure. <laughs> like few the, the few that he had left. Yeah. <laughs> You're my child. I don't think you are. <laughs> the the scene when they all meet. I, this is like. I don't know if you know this, but I actually took notes during this movie, which I realized I should probably be doing for all of these. Yeah, you're welcome, <laughs> you're welcome audience. I know what I'm talking about. No, but the the scene where they all have the meeting in the rain in the in like the shack, and they're all coming in to discuss like what are we gonna do, and then they figure out like they all gotta go into town together. My favorite bit in that is they have this really like deep heartfelt moment. And the guy just starts playing the harmonica. <laughs> it cuts to him. I'm like, read the fucking room, man. <laughs> it was the worst timing ever. And it just, it gave me an absolute chuckle. What are you doing, man? We're talking here. We're trying to... <laughs> I just wanted to show you guys. I've been practicing yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah. This, um, so yeah, like, so we talked about the cinematography. You talked about George Stevens' eye, but let's just like, 
the combination of that and Wyoming, this is quite, quite stunning. And it's, it was shot in Jackson Hole. Um, there's even like, uh, they constructed and then tore down most of it. There is one shack that still exists there. It's referred to as the Shane Shack now. Uh, it's in a state of disrepair. It's a cool name for like a restaurant. Yeah, yeah the Shane Shack. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to where I live, it's called the Shame Shack. <laughs> well, funny you should say that because, you know, my missus is a giant um, Batman fan. And so she was sending me this stuff. So there's like the whole Shane thing. It is. It was like a meme before memes were meme. That, um, that Even the, the original Adam West Batman TV show had a bad guy called Shame Okay, who is a cowboy gunslinger? And there's a little kid in the episode that's always shame, shame. So even they're poking fun. That's funny. Shane, like it's been one of these things that turns up in movies. And my missus goes, even my she goes, my brother's not even now. It's like it's always like shame, shame. I, see, Will, I thought you had originally picked the Michael Fassbender movie Shame. Which is, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which is the that's a movie. <laughs> An entirely different movie. Featuring Michael Fassbender's penis. Yes. <laughs> Michael's Fassbender. <laughs> Finally on screen, what the audience yeah. is always wanting. Mm-hmm. Clamoring for it. Another movie right. that takes massive amounts um, from Shane, uh, even to the point of taking the exact dialogue from the end of the movie in the end of its movie, is Logan. Um, the, the Wolverine picture, yeah. uh, which 100%, trust me, I'm figuring out how to get that in the show because I'm like, as soon as we go to North Dakota, guess which one I'm picking? Because I can't wait to talk about that movie. <laughs> but like, I think, you know, that, that's what I think is like, um, well, I'm so glad, much like Giant Will, that, you know, like I said, this is a whole era of movies that I've never really got into. I used to, you know, watch on TV, on BBC Two when I'm a kid, nothing else is on. Yeah, I'd watch some of these classic old movies and things like that, but. You know, the Westerns weren't quite so... I think that's much more of a sort of like an American sort of thing. You know, well, like that, y- y- even for World me. World War II movies and things like that, British yeah. movies and things. So this was like such a great watch. It was. From, from, a, flip, from a flip side of that coin, as, as an American, like growing up in a similar time period, th- this genre of movies just never clicked with me until I got much older. And I, I, I was... When you pick this, I was like begrudgingly like, oh, another like period Western piece that I have to sit through and this and that, which I love doing for this podcast because it really like fills those like those cinema gaps in my in my watch history. And I put this on. and I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Like this is like such a great film. And again, you can really see that it's the genesis for a litany of other movies. And those the Grand Tetons in the background, like it's maybe one of the best looking movies i've really you know i've considering some of the other movies on this list and some of the other movies we've talked about that i'm like man they really could make movies back then couldn't they yeah. like this is pretty damn legit and then you and then you look at the budget it was like three million dollars yeah. <laughs> yeah which is yeah 1. but i mean that's back in like 1950s right dollars. right 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 so that was 200 billion dollars back then <laughs> <laughs> there was um there's some like for example i was like uh this is the time, the 1953, that the sickest burn was. He smells like a pig. He's a pig farmer. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. Bleep, we're gonna have to bleep that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For anyone listening in the past, you have to bleep yeah. it. We've we've just been demonetized. <laughs> so, oh, we call this one Sodi Pop. I'm like, ooh, sick yeah. boo. It was sexy because when they when they first one of my favorite scenes when they all the the whole family gets together and ollie i imagine this is what it's like when you guys go to like 
the grocery store. <laughs> he packs his whole family into the, the wagon. They go to the, the general store and the wife picks up this mason jar and she goes, my, 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 what will they think of next? <laughs> I did have and, a giggle at that, but, but at the same time, very much on the nose of you like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, for where it's set and when it's set, that's like, would you look at this? Yeah. A mason jar. My, my, my. Ooh. Next that was thing you know, back. I'm going to have a vote, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, hang on. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to pickle so many things. <laughs> I'm gonna make some jam. Who is this Mason fella? <laughs> <laughs> that scene, can we talk about that scene? Because man, there's incredible. Some, there's some. There look. I mean, like I really enjoyed the 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 fight scene where Shane yeah. and uh, Van Heflin, the, the the rancher, go back to back and just beat the crap out of all of the. He, uh, well, there was. They had an altercation pr- prior to that at that same general store which is the only general store where he's buying a fresh pair of clothes and the guy pours his uh his sodi pop on him yeah. and he does nothing because you and and again movies like this have conditioned me like you know this guy it can fight and he's just you just know he's a badass because you've seen this story before but, but why and, didn't shane fight mama shane yeah. didn't fight shane's not afraid mama what's shane gonna do did you know shane's name is shane shut up child <laughs> sorry sorry keep going yeah no that that, that yeah <laughs> Thanks again for ruining this movie. Um, he, you know, and then they when they go back to the scene, he's like, you know what? You bought me a drink last time. This one's on me. And he just throws it in his face. thing on him and then punches him so hard. It launches him 40 feet into a different room. <laughs> and it was Through the, doors. Like the yeah. most comical pratfall. It was in- incredible like, <laughs> like and then yeah it became it like great. a wwe wrestling match uh, yeah. just chairs and tables and it's again like that, so it's, long like it's yeah and you're like oh it's just every every western from the this best point on. the best part about that fight scene is interspersed throughout it it keeps cutting back to little joey with this comically huge uh like peppermint candy cane yeah. and he's just like oh dumb-eyed like <laughs> <laughs> And then there was another bit where they're when they they're throwing chairs and Joey's peeking out of the corner. He almost gets hit with a glass bottle, and they look like they were really launching bottles at this kid. <laughs> to yeah. point, I'm like, yes. You know, funny enough, I was doing a little bit of reading, and like um, that final scene where like Alan Ladd's like saying, "All right, little Joey, I gotta go." Shane, don't go. Is there any time like Alan Ladd's performing his like these important lines? The kid is getting cross-eyed and sticking his tongue out. To the point that Alan Ladd actually had to say to the kid's dad, get this kid to do what he needs to do or I'm going to thump him in the head. Yes. <laughs> like, I bet. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand. There was no, there was method acting right there. He's like, right. I'm out. I'm cool. All right. Well, getting kicked in the head by a horse is not considered method acting. <laughs> this kid. Jesus. <laughs> Though so, oh, I've got man. a couple of interesting bits as well. First of all, uh, so Alan Ladd is like, you know, so Shane is a legendary gunslinger. And there's this moment in the middle of the movie where he just like demonstrates that he's incredible. And he shoots this like rock like five times. Boo, 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 boo. It was amazing. Bang, bang, bang. Oh my God, the amount of times that kid shouted bang. Oh, I wanted to. Anyway, um, interestingly <laughs> enough, to get the shot of him shooting took 116 takes. <laughs> Alan Ladd is very, very not cool with guns. Uh, if you'll look at that scene, he's an amazing shot because he's doing it with his eyes closed. Yeah. And in that final gunfight, you notice that he's not pointing the gun anywhere near the guy that he shoots. He must have rebounded it off the wall. It would have been more efficient just to throw the pistol at him. <laughs> 
But then, yeah. and then the other one is Jack Palance is not comfortable with horses, which for me was like, huh. what? So there, it's the reason that he, he was originally supposed to gallop into town, but because he looked ridiculous on the horse, they had to make him walk into town. But in retrospect, George Stevens goes, made it a lot more intimidating. It's yeah. just this guy in no rush. Because I'll be honest, as soon as he turned up, I was like, oh shit, this is, <laughs> this is, this is dangerous guy. But also he couldn't get on or off his horse so they managed to get him to do it once really well and george stevens used that version that take reversed to get him onto horses and used it multiple times because it was the only time that he managed to get on a horse and not look like an idiot and i was like get out of town oh, i couldn't wow. even tell wow. that's incredible they also had to put peanut butter in his mouth to make it look like he was <laughs> 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 maybe i'm getting that up with another actor i forget <laughs> Great. Um, uh, like what else? I mean, anything else in this movie that, that like stands out? Because you know, it, it's it's kind of hard to describe to people at home without just saying you have to kind of watch it. Yeah, uh, it's just because so much of it is just the 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 that the it of it, the watching of it, the the way it is shot, the very realistic nature. Apart from like you said, that one very obvious scene which is done on a soundstage because. You can just tell because every other shot has got Wyoming all the way in the background for a hundred miles, you know? I for sure thought something was going to happen to the father and that just because again, it's a, it's, it's a very well wrought story, but because this is the first one, none of that really happens. I thought Shane was going to step in and become the new daddy in town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think because there was some chemistry with between him and the mother for sure. Yeah, which was a hundred percent, and it's almost just like even like the kids saying it as as he's riding away. You know, he's like Shane, Shane, my mom wants you to stay. I'm like, yeah, I think she does actually, buddy. I think <laughs> it's like the yeah, the guy you know takes his shirt off and like you know my other things like so. There's that great scene right at the beginning where so um, Van Heflin, uh, Joe, Joe, the dad has this like for years been dealing with this huge tree stump which is in the middle of his homestead. And I'm like, bro, I would have built my homestead 20 feet to the left. You know? Right. He's like such an avoidable problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but like a typical man, he's like, no, 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 I, I can get this. I yeah. can get this. <laughs> and he's been telling his missus, I'll get it done. I'll get it done. It's you two and that stump. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, that, you're right, Ollie. That's like one of those situations where it's like, if only we had the space to build this ranch. There's literally yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing around for miles. Like, ah. No, yeah, this is where we're right steading, baby. Right? And it's it's a stump that must have been a tree that was 300 feet high. And I go, look around you. Do you see any other fucking trees? Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. It was, and it's not like he's using modern tools to pull that out. He's literally just trying to, like, push it, mm -hmm. like, gingerly. Yeah. But then old, strong Shane comes along and, like, the Fonzie just kind of hits to the side of it and the stump pops out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Though, at the same time, it, I get what it's doing. It's showing how, you know, like they said, they even say it, they spell it out in the movie. It's sometimes it's like the blood, sweat, and tears is, is what's necessary. It shows the determination of these people to live out there. It shows Shane and Joe coming together, much like they do when they get into the fight scene in the bar. So I get the themes. I'm just being a dick about it. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> no, it's just, it's practically a very odd scene. Because, it's yeah, a no metaphor, guys. Come on. <laughs> it's a metaphor for this 
uh, this rancher guy being kind of an idiot. You know, <laughs> I wanted there to be a scene where they both look at it and they're trying to like get it out, and they go, "I'm stumped." <laughs> <laughs> studio audience breaks out and laughs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they get freaked out because where's the studio audience coming yeah. from? <laughs> it cuts to Joey just. <laughs> is that his name am i getting that wrong i don't think his name it is, is joey right it yeah is joey in the movie yeah so his uh, father's name's joe yeah and the boy's name is joey yeah yeah this rancher is not like the brightest he no. I, he probably didn't even realize it was his own name he's like i don't know i'm gonna name joey that seems like a good name for some reason joey. <laughs> god damn this fucking kid <laughs> I, I knew said, this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. Uh, well, what else? I mean, the thing is, like I said, my my wife. I thought she knew it as a. She goes, "Oh, it's a classic western." I'm like, "All right." And the thing is, like my um my mother in law, she she loved westerns. She's just, the whole her whole life is just every day she watched westerns, old black and white westerns, and Gunsmoke and everything like that. So. Very much in my wife's family, like Westerns are a thing, but it was actually my wife just waiting until I was done because she knew the first thing I was going to do is rant about that kid. I, I bet she, you ask anyone in your family, like, love Shane, hate the kid. That's just <laughs> like, that's the one sentence review. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't, I mean, like, you know, like, even joking about it, right? Like, ruin the movie, but it doesn't. It kind of like, yeah. it's. It's almost just like at some point you just like can someone act like the family from Close Encounters and threaten that child with a beating? <laughs> <God>. <laughs> you want to live to see nine? Yeah, no, that was great. There was some some dubious connections between those two movies as I watched them like back to back, which we'll, we'll talk yeah. about. This yeah, well, that's I I agree I agree because yes, it's that's what's so fun about this about doing this podcast and then and there being three movies as well is that you do see some of these overlaps and crossovers from from different generations and different movies. I mean, like, this is what's cool about this one is we've got a 53, a 1953 movie, a 1977 movie, and a 2017 movie. Yeah. And, you know, but you can see Shane's influence on the neo-Western, you know, the stuff that Taylor Sheridan yeah. is doing. I mean, yeah, how sure. much, how, how different is Sicario? I mean, you know, the, the mysterious gunslinger you know, being Benicio yeah. del Toro. And it's like, you know, to come in and he's, it's all those elements are there that I, I honestly feel stupid that I hadn't seen Shane or really heard of it. You know, like yeah. I said, like, Will, you really have been <laughs> educating yeah. me in, in these classic old movies because they, they really have affected cinema for decades after. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got to it's it's really my grandfather's influence because he loved Westerns, took me to movies all the time. And so that's how I ended up seeing like a whole bunch of these old like movies. Um, and I, I will say most of the older ones are not good only because like as they went along in time, they got better and better. Um, even the very few that get made these days are still better than like. 99 percent of west i can out. only assume that you know that the western genre was so popular that much like modern day like uh like if they did a fucking multiverse back then it would have people would have lost their shit yeah but like oh. the, the, i bet these movies became so saturated the genre that it was so hard for one in particular to stand out until you, you know then you get to like that clint eastwood era yeah and again they just got so popular but now you have with the influx of every like superhero and spinoff and this and that it, it's i wonder if people were just like I'm fucking sick of cowboys, man. <laughs> well, 100%, because like, even every TV show was, you know, yeah. you know, my dad growing up, he said everything was cowboys and Indians. You yeah. know, when I was yeah. uh, running around with my brothers, it was cowboys and Indians. And it's like, I like that you brought that up because like I said, you know, I almost brought Unforgiven to the table. I almost see that as kind of like the bookends. Shane on one end and Unforgiven on the other, basically exactly the same movie. 
But in the middle, you've had all of those different westerns that you're saying, the westerns that become, oh, you've got to have the car chase because it's the horse chase. And there's, you know, the gunfights all over the place. Whereas like Shane has one second of gunfight as does, you know, Unforgiven. Whereas in the middle, it got out of control. And then you had the spaghetti westerns and you had Sergio Leone and you had all that other stuff. Then I'm like, I think the, the life of the, the, the western kind of went from there to Unforgiven. And then we get into the area of, of the neo-western, yeah. the stuff that, that Taylor Sheridan you know, started but, off. But between pop, pop. those, they went from Western cowboys to motherfucking aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Starting with alien. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, but you're not wrong. And then, actually, and then, t- like, technically, the last, it was Close Encounters, and then Alien was after that. Yeah, but like the last 15 years have been have been superhero movies, and yeah. and, and then suddenly everyone's you know Oppenheimer, Barbie, and now everybody's talking about um, is it Gareth Edwards' movie, The Creator, coming? Like yeah, there's this completely original sci-fi movie, and it's everything now in marketing is the completely original, you know, mm-hmm. screenplay. Everyone's of. clamoring for a new IP, and it's just like I made a Star Wars movie with none of the Star Wars. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah what's I, that Zack Snyder one that's literally just Star Wars, but they scratched all the names out? What's that one that's coming? It's something out? like Flower Moon or something oh, like God, that. Yeah. It's, it's a two-parter that's coming to Netflix. Sucker um, Punch Two. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Still sucking. I'm lobotomized. Gee. <laughs> I like that movie. I, you know, I, Rebel Moon. I didn't, yeah, Red Rebel Moon. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because Flower Moon is the, the Leonardo DiCaprio. The, yeah. Oh, the Scorsese one, yes. Yeah, which is coming soon. Which of course, And where does that take place? <laughs> Where's that set? Because we might have to see it and then just do a, oh, a special episode. That's You're a right. great question. It's going to be Wyoming. You wait. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Flower. Uh, but yeah, I mean, well, it's the... It's, um, yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, everyone's like, it's just, I love that Scorsese in his sort of like, as he's getting, you know, where he is, he's just like, you know, I can make a movie five hours long. People are going to watch this shit. <laughs> it's like. Not wrong. I, he yeah. can make a movie that's like six days long. I'll be there. Ooh, guys, this is good because we haven't got there yet. It's taking place in Oklahoma. Nice. So maybe, maybe we wait and we can do Oklahoma and we can actually talk Oklahoma, about Oklahoma, movie. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. Well, let's let's uh, we'll leave Shane behind, um, and also thank it for its service. Yeah, you know. Oh so like, well, I, I do I do briefly because I know we were we were talking about this in text thread. It it has my all time favorite character, uh, character like um, type, which is Jack Palance's character, which is not mm. the villain, but it's the the number one right hand man of the villain, and man, he does this so well. Like I said, the crime is that he's only in this movie for a short period of time. He's He's so menacing and he's chilling. Got, he's got such scary cheekbones. And he's one of those actors that much like a, uh, like a Walter Matho, like I've never seen this character, this actor young. So it was mm. almost jarring to me to see like, this is what a, he, a young Jack Palance looks like. It's crazy yeah. to me. I yeah. know. Kind, he, of, kind of a smoke show. Not going to lie. Kind of good looking, but like the very first initial look at him was I, I almost got that, that sort of uncanny valley de-aging technology. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> like like Well he was yeah. 75 years old when they filmed this. It's like they stretched his skin and gave him Botox. And then I realized no, he's just like oh, yeah. 20 years yeah. old because yeah. all I've ever seen of Jack Palance is old Jack Palance. That's why yeah. I grew up in Batman and uh, Curly in, in City Slickers. So to see well, him like just without a line on his face. It begs the question, is this a prequel to uh City Slickers 2 Curly's Gold? 
<laughs> he's the triplet. He's the third yeah. one. Yeah. Reply in the comments. Still current, I mean, baby. I mean, this is where you really see the start of him becoming a big star. That would eventually lead to everybody say it with me: Death Stalker and the Warriors from Hell. Oh, I thought, I thought, again, I thought you guys were to say it. With me. I still time. retain. I remember him as the the host of the TV show Ripley's Believe It or Not, and his voice is like so perfect oh, yeah. for that. It was, but he did anyway. Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah, I thought that I was, was the... Dean Kane. <laughs> I think, I think he did the later one. Yeah, he was after that. <laughs> yeah. That's the one I used to watch in Hong Kong. Um, he did the one in his living room that there were no cameras for. <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump on over to, to the neo-Western. So we're going to go from the, the old Western to, to the neo-Western. Let's, uh, let's jump into Wind River, a movie that I remember when it was announced, I was actually very excited about. You know, this is before Taylor Sheridan produced and wrote everything it's before yeah. yellowstone it's before the yellowstone verse it's before we got into mayor of kingstown and and tulsa king and and everything else that's going on like he has i mean you know credit to him he has become an absolute yeah. force to be reckoned with in the television and movie landscape he is quite a prolific writer i mean because for me i knew him as the sheriff from sons of anarchy he was just this guy who had this sort of kind of interesting presence um, he was an important character. And then just like really suddenly, spoiler alert, but in like season three, just randomly gets run over brutally, just hit by a car, run over. And I'm like, I guess he's dead. And I'm like, I was like, so I kind of look him up and then it's because, oh, he's written a script, his first real scre screenplay. And it's Sicario, mm -hmm. one of the just the greatest goddamn and, screenplays. And like, I think for me that it's like those three movies and then everything else after that kind of gets a little watered down. Like, mm -hmm. I think he, you know, he be became this, like this brand. And I, to be fair, I've never, I'd never seen uh, Yellowstone or any of those other shows, but I think once Sicario two hit, it was just kind of like, oh, okay. I See, I like Sicario two, but it's not Sicario one. It's no. like, you know, it's, it's, it's one of his scripts without the, um, you know, the hand on the wheel that is Denny Villeneuve, which right. is, uh, you know, and Roger Deakins, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's going to elevate yeah elevate anything but so yeah i was and then because his second one hella high water as well he just wrote that it was directed by scottish director whose name is escaping me right now um, i just looked it up the other day and i i it's now it's totally left my mind yeah he he did that yeah, he other, really directed anything else of note yeah he did the um and did another movie with chris pine it's the the warrior king thing or whatever like it's his that scottish king movie which was on netflix which was not very good i have to be honest it was okay um but when it was like written and directed by taylor sheridan I was like, okay, I hope he can direct a movie, was my initial mm -hmm. thought. And when I saw Wind River, um, I thought it was excellent. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it is. I think it is excellent. I think he uses Jeremy Renner just right. You know, Jeremy Renner, we all, he came out of nowhere for a lot of us, and he kind of just took over when he did um, the Iraq movie. Come on, help me out here. He's the bomb disposal guy. Oh, her locker. Oh, her locker. There we go. Yeah, Catherine Bigelow's her locker. Mm -hmm. um, where everyone was just like, who's this funny looking guy? Yeah. <laughs> and like, he's really good. And um, he's funny. I, I honestly, I love Jeremy Renner in so many things that he does. But I think this kind of role for him is, is yeah. like ideal. The grizzled, depressed. He's just got that voice and this timber in his voice and tone that I think is great. What do you guys think? 
I think he's got a lot of pain behind those eyes. <laughs> you, I knew it. But yeah, no, I, I and this is the I think this is maybe the second or third time I've I've watched this movie, and he, he is. I mean, everyone is really fantastic in this. I think he's very well cast. And my only thing watching it again, I'm like, would it have made more sense? I guarantee this movie wouldn't have done nearly as well if he were like a Native American actor doing the same thing. Like, would mm-hmm. this movie be a little bit more relevant if he wasn't? just like a white guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that, that's that's kind of my feeling. It's a little bit like, oh God, what's that movie? Elysium with uh, Matt Damon, where it's mm-hmm. like, you watch that movie and because of the nature where that movie takes place, it's like, why is this guy like not Mexican? Like, right. why is this guy a white guy? It, yeah. uh, other than to like, obviously studios are like, people won't go see it otherwise. Yeah. You know? And it didn't detract from this movie at all. It was just something I, I was thinking for like the context of this podcast. Cause we're always trying to be more inclusive and, and be respectful. And I was wondering this, like just watching this time, like I think it would have been way more prescient if he were a person of color, like as an actor, you know, for, yeah. in this role, but we, we uh, do right. try to be respectful, except when it's involved talking about that stupid kid from Shane. Yeah, that kid could get bent, but <laughs> okay, I get it. I'll get it out. Them kids, <laughs> but, um, but no, um, yeah, I, I totally agree that this movie I think needed yeah. to have that perspective, um, or at least just have like a Native American leading man yeah. in that role. Yeah, because I I think in relevance to the story, you know, it never pops up that he's like a, a white boy. You know, it's like it's, right. everyone's already accepted him into this work, this like their culture and their families and he's just, it's just accepted. Whereas there's no pushback where he's, you know, and again, we've glazed over the plot, which is very we'll, sad. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I just, it, I couldn't help but think about that during, during my rewatch. Well, you know? I, I can totally get, I mean, like, you know, the reason I will agree with you on that one as well is that the sort of like white government outsider character Right. is Elizabeth Olsen, you know? Yeah. And so we get all that she doesn't understand. We get all that, that like, you know, they're talk, talking in yeah. their native dialect, so she doesn't understand. And, you know, that it's kind of like the eye roll of, oh, look how the government, look how they, they perceive this problem. They've sent a 22-year-old, right. like, you know, rookie. She's a baby, yeah. Yeah, out. But the thing is, what I really like is that is Elizabeth Olsen's character is an extremely capable agent. That in, in yeah. the movie... She's like, if it comes down like uh, to to a um, a gunfight of some kind, when you cut, she's an incredible shot, eyes wide open. She's like, you know, naive only because in a way that she tactically she's not experienced. She hasn't spent a lot of time out on these kind of things. But the decisions right. she make, the conclusions she make, the amount of dedication she has, and you know her skills as an agent. I was like, yeah. she's a great like strong female character. I was like, I really dug that about yeah, her. You're rooting for her for sure. You know, you, you know that she's, I mean, the second she arrives, you know that she's way out of her depths. Like she, I think she comes from Vegas by way of Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And they just like, look at her and like, Oh man, she, she doesn't have the clothes and you're going to die. You know, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> you much. Go outside. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's do it. Let's talk about the, the really uplifting um, story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, well, this movie starts with the death of a native woman running across uh, and just dying in, in the exposure. We don't know what's happened. So essentially, um, much like happens terrifyingly, um, in fact, this movie sort of says, you know, based off true stories, because this is a story that happens far too often uh, in the States and on reservations, but of just young girls disappearing. Um, it is, it's an epidemic 
in many ways. And so, so once, uh, so um, Jeremy Renner is basically he's the fish and wildlife. He's a hunter, literally. Uh, his job is to go. He's like, it opens with the shooting of the wolf. I was like, I, I forgot. I was watching the movie and I was, oh shit, because yeah. it came so suddenly. I'm like, did they actually shoot that wolf? Um, but he comes across the body, which then gets the FBI. The FBI sends Elizabeth Olsen. And um, it sort of comes down to sort of trying to solve this murder. Now, there's the underlying part is that it turns out that Jeremy Renner is such a broken human is because his own 16-year-old daughter disappeared on the reservation in very similar circumstances three years before. And it is an unsolved murder. It's completely destroyed his marriage. You know, so we get that sort of scene with his ex-wife. It's all very tough. You just see it is just pain. I mean, the thing is, it's like, and then it gets worse because Gil Birmingham you know, he's the father of the girl that died, uh, tra- uh, played by Kelsey Ab- Asbiel Chow. She's from Yellowstone, by the way. Gil Birmingham, he's from Hell or High Water. Jeremy Renner, he's from um, Mayor of Kingstown. And in fact, two of the bad guys are also in Yellowstone and Mayor of Kingstown. So Taylor Sheridan, he likes to he likes actors. He brings them and uses yeah. them in all of his stuff. Um, and they're great. They're all great. Like Oh, very much so. But that, for me, the bit like... Uh, Definitely jumping ahead, but it's the moments of just Jeremy Renner coming to see Gil, the, the other father. Basically, he, he's like, I'm the only person that just understands because I know the pain that you're in. What? I, just those bits will hit Mon- me. Oof, that monologue was... Yeah. yeah. Man, that was... Some freaking great yeah. acting and the bit, like, you see the pain on... on I, I keep saying Gil. I hope that is how you pronounce it. It's G-I-L. If it's Jill, I'm sorry, but it's like, yeah. I'm going to keep saying Gil. Um, but, like, where he's just sitting and in pain and Jeremy comes and sits next to him and he goes, you know, what's this? He goes, it's my death mask. He says, I just made it up because it's, you know, it's that sad bit of like, no one's really able to taught me how to do it. It's never really been passed yeah. down. It's because our culture has almost been wiped off the face of the earth by your people. And it's yeah. like, it was just such a, like a, such a moment. There's the, I think this movie is like, it's for, for as quiet and sort of like dark as it is, it is really, really good to what like yeah. you're watching it you're just constantly like this movie's it's a great movie that i never wish to watch again yeah like it, i don't want like i don't want to put myself through that emotional turmoil because this is not a this isn't like a happy-go-lucky fun movie where you get gather your friends around and show this isn't a this isn't a miami connection here folks this is a <laughs> right. grim yeah. tale well it's not even like hell or high water which i, I think that one is fun to watch with a lot yeah. of people very it's a cool much little so. ice movie, and you're kind it's, of rooting for them. It's sure. a classic two guys robbing banks western, just in modern yeah. times. But to support yeah, their we, mother's yeah. Medicaid, like oh, it's a great. Bills. It's, it's yeah. to buy back. It's basically robbing the banks of their own money to buy yeah. their own thing back from the bank who's screwing them over. It's like a true Texas story. <laughs> yeah, and like is it like is it Jeff Bridges that's uh, yeah. telling them? Yeah, right. it is Perfect. with with yeah. Gil Birmingham. That's his partner. Yeah, yeah, oh, right, 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 right. That he's always yeah. just giving you know it's like he's he's either giving mexican digs or native american digs and it's like through the whole yeah. movie <laughs> like it's like yeah. oh, i like you it's fine um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah River, what what's really cool about wind river as well is i really like the way that they do it that there's this mystery that needs to be solved and they've followed the clues and it all leads to this kind of like um industrial thing is it a drilling you know it's sort a drill of a, site yeah yeah so it's like site. it's its own sort of private land it's it's owned by a company and on it there's like five or six guys whose job is just in the wilderness to make sure things keep ticking over 
Right. And, um, you know, we're like, oh, this is interesting. We're following the clues and we get to the door and then it cuts and it fills in all the blanks. Which, I mean, thank you for bringing that. It's that, that shot of her walking up to the door to knock on it because you, you think they finally found the, the guy who did it, her, her boyfriend, right? <laughs> who, they, who they suspect is the reason for this, this, this murder. And she knocks on the door and it cuts to John Barenthal like walking to it and you're like, oh shit, he's the one, but it's not that at all you know yeah it it yeah. suddenly the door opens and reveal reveals the young lady who dies at the beginning and it and it sort of then plays out this you know really sweet scene you get like these little snippets of um of of details like for him, him talking about being navy so you're like oh he's a navy he's a former navy seal um you know it's talking about you know how they're like she wants to get out and all this kind of stuff that's coming in and then it just it's just the sound of a bunch of, of um, snowmobiles turning up outside and you can hear a group of men and they're drunk and you just get that sinking feeling. And, it, yeah. and that, that scene just it keeps building and building and building yes. and then it escalates and then it escalates to an attack and then it escalates to then a rape and then it escalates to a, like him, you know, John Bernthal's character just basically taking all of them on. Yeah. But we then realize that at that same time we've had... Uh, Jeremy Renner find that body, so then we all just start putting two and two together. These guys it's murdered cool. it's him. Like you, you already see the end point, and getting there is so much worse. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I had like when we were coming up to that when the guys came back to the shack because I'd seen this before. Sure, I remember that, and I was like, I'm skipping. I'm not watching that. I can't do it. So I had to skip to like past that whole scene because I'm like I can't watch it. Yeah, I actually rewound it because it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Just it kidding. A, it's a yeah. tough. It's a tough it scene. Is, oh, played yeah. played yeah. so well, but I also find that the the way that because we were so tense before, like I said, when we because we turned up, you know, when we're on the original sort of a plot, turning up to that bit, there's a lot of tension, and you, you, yeah. all the guys have come up, and we see that they've got bruises and scratches and scrapes, and that all gets explained again in the flashback. But like those extra sort of deputies they brought with them, like one of them's like, "Do you not see what they're doing? Yeah, like they're surrounding yeah. us. Like everyone, like it's a lot of tension, a lot of tension. Then we see this other scene that's just brutal and gives us all the details, and then we cut back, and then it just all goes tits up. It's just like this. Suddenly she's shot. Everyone's getting shot, and it's like, I think it's a brilliant. Like a way much of like this. much like that, the tension in Sicario. Yes. he does the same kind of thing. You, yeah. we're almost because we've already seen that. You're almost expecting something horrible to happen, and it does. And the, but the way it unfolds really subverts your expectation because of that whole thing where she walks up to the door, and you think, you know, that goes into the the whole flashback sequ- sequence. And they're like, "Hey, uh, Paul, there's an FBI agent standing right in front right of the door, in front just of the door." Kid. And then she goes. Much like the punch in Shane, she goes flying forty fucking feet. And it so that's just Shane who punched through the door. That's yeah. why that. Happened. Oh, that's. I mean, the shootout, and it it happens so immediately, and because they're all pretty much like six feet away from one another, it's fucking yeah. brutal, though. It's brutal. Yeah. But it's and realistic. Then, you know, like nobody's yeah. like hitting each other. No, right they're, it's shocking, and well, they're, they're jarring. The guys hit on the ground. Here. He's reloading, and oh man, they yeah. all. But then you get because Jeremy Renner is simultaneously scouting this scene out, but also he's on a mission to find a family of um, mountain lions <laughs> as the crux of the beginning of this thing. Yeah. And he does find them and he's like, I'll come back for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, we'll get to murder you later, yeah, but yeah. I have to go and take care of the business. 
But then, oh, and that scene with the his rifle just launching these guys. I mean, yeah, that, that's the whole the whole thing is the payoff of them getting their comeuppance for doing these horrible things. Yes, their their uppance has come uh, very much so because they do get kind of like the uh, the upper hand. A lot of the officers go down. Graham Greene's character, he's down. He dies. Like Elizabeth Olsen, thank goodness she's been wearing she's wearing a a bulletproof vest. Yeah, apparently, the only one wearing a bulletproof yeah. bulletproof well, vest. Everyone else got shot in the head. Um, right, but yeah, is that then sort of like the the guy that the worst of the the perpetrator, the the guy that, that Pete, initiates the the assault on the woman. He's the one that's kind of left alive, and and Renner, because it's it was kind of this thing that he promised uh, Gills Gills Birmingham's character of just like when you find him, I don't want this guy coming back. And he goes, I'm a hunter. You know, I'm not going out to arrest a guy. I'm going out here to kill this guy. And he does it in um, a beautiful place. It's like the highest mountain in Wyoming. Um, though I believe the mountain scenes, a lot of them were shot in Utah, though there was stuff sh- shot in Wyoming. But um, he basically just takes him up to the top, takes his boots off, and he's like, I've given you the same opportunity you gave her. You can get six miles. Yeah, six, six miles, miles. perfect if you can make it, but you're not going to make 300 yards. And he just lets him just die on the mountain. It's a, and again, it's like... Other movies, kind of like we're talking about with Shane, is that would take this and make it a massive gunfight. Would make it like there'd be some sort of like cheesy monologue. He, yeah. In this case, it's just Jeremy Renner, very just, he's just got that force in his voice. He's very authoritative. He just, he, when he plays it, he plays it so well. And it just, he's just, yeah, if you want to survive, yeah. you can go do it. But um, tough titties, buddy. Yeah. You've, uh, you played your hand, and now I'm here to cash in your chips. Yeah, it's, I mean, this isn't like an action. There's two like clumsy, clumsy action sequences in sure. this, and but still seeing the and 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 still getting the payoff of him, you know, catching the guy and doing all that. It still feels so unfulfilling, you know, because of the the yeah. tone of this movie. Like, you know, something horrible like this is going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And it, like as history has said, and it just it makes it that much tougher of a watch, you know. Yeah, because we've just kind of got the, I mean, if you can call it catharsis of that sort of revenge moment in a way. Um, yeah. And then as the movie's sort of ending, it goes, you know, like, isn't there like a crawl just going, like, yeah. there are 6,000 unsolved cases. And you're just like, oh, man, like, yeah. this is, you know, I mean, it's almost like, you know, you like that the movie was made and it's it's like it's making a good point. But I, there has been, I know, Will, you and I talked about it, yeah. like, a little bit of like at times since then, Taylor Sheridan has almost patted himself on the back for right. like, you're yeah. welcome, you know? Yeah, so, I, so I've got the quote here um, where he's talking about it and he's like, um, where he's like, uh, this has existed since the invention of the reservation system, um, but in the past 15, 20 years has exploded. And this is a direct quote. And it gets no attention, which is the motivation for writing this film. And that kind of ignores a lot of uh, Native American groups that have been shouting about this for a long, long time. Uh, there's uh, there's actually the, uh, I want to make sure I get the name right, the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women uh, movement. A lot of tribes in America and Canada bring attention to it. It's like, uh, you'll notice like the Red Hand Day, there'll be a red hand kind of painted over the face of uh, Native American women to help raise issue, or raise attention for it. I think there's two days out of the year they kind of talk about it. It's in February and May every year. But they've they've been talking about this forever. And I, I think what 
if I can be charitable to Sheridan, what he means to say is in media, it's not really talked about. Mm. Um, you know, I made this movie helped because it's a white person saying it. The media is like, oh, is this a problem? I'm going to be charitable and say that's what he kind of meant to say. But yeah, the interview makes it sound like, hey, look at me. I brought attention to this. And <laughs> yeah, you can you can only hope that the, he had the clout in some capacity to to to, like you said, raise awareness for this just even yeah. a little bit more. You know? Yeah, and I think I, I, part of it as well is because it was there was a more recent interview. The thing is because the Taylor Sheridan of Wind River is very different to the Taylor Sheridan of now, who is like the king of television. Yeah. He's worth wipes his yeah. tears away with hundred dollar bills. Yeah, he's yeah worth a gajillion <laughs> dollars, and he's made some yeah. extremely successful. Like I'm like Ryan, uh, you would love Yellowstone. It is actually yeah. quite the guilty pleasure. It is quite fun because um, yeah. Kevin Costner as well. Just I've been meaning to. I've been meaning to. Um, but Mayor of Kingstown with Jeremy Renner. Is the one that I'm very on board with. It's been which very is different good. from the mayor of Easttown. With yeah. uh, <laughs> yes, that's not the same thing. Yeah, no, that's yes, that's 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 the HBO one with Kate Winslet. But um, but I would say yeah, and I've heard that Tulsa King, my brother, is like you know if you like if you like what Taylor Sheridan does, his TV shows mm-hmm. are are fun. They are good. They are they are full on. They are violent. They are you know all that stuff. But it's like I think you know for me as those first three. As an introduction, I mean, like you know, because 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 what I'm trying to say is that this was his first directing go. It's you know, so like for him to come out and do a movie that is like quite dark, and he's trying to do something and say something important, and there's a huge risk on his career for doing it. I you mm-hmm. know, I think retrospectively now, people see Teddy Sheridan in his cowboy hat and his hundred million dollars, going, oh yeah, buddy, whatever. Whereas back then, that was a risk. It was yeah. a risk, and yeah. he was, you know, so. Yeah. And and it, what I'll say what I'll say for him is I have very complicated feelings about Sheridan because I like a majority of his work. I think you know sure. Sicario, Hell or High Water, I think is fantastic. That's my favorite of the three. I love Sicario though. Um, but you know, so I'm a fan of his work, and I'm grateful to Yellowstone because my friend Arya is an actor on it. Um, yes. It's shown up just a couple times, but uh, so it's employed a friend of mine, so I'm happy about that. Um, but, uh, overall, you know, the Hollywood reporter interview, I'll just say, or Hollywood reporter interview, I'll say, uh, really kind of made me roll my eyes. He kind of like plays it off. Like I do everything and no one can tell me what to do. And, you know, I write things the way I want. Meanwhile, he's doing that and pissing off Kevin Costner while he's doing it, not delivering scripts on time, not trusting other writers to come in. And so I'm like, maybe... Maybe there's something about your process, dude, that just that isn't working right. for your actors. Um, so I don't know. At the same time, you can't take away that he's extremely talented and a good writer. But uh, prolific. I mean, he yeah. does write a lot. It's crazy. He's. I mean, when they announced the whole, he's is it Paramount Plus. He's yeah. got that yeah. whole deal where I mean, he's got show after show. I don't know if he's writing all of it. It's just he, probably he, a, he is. He, he's he's watching. Wow. That's crazy. I don't real. Here's what I say. He could be writing it. I don't want to be caught making any uh, comments, but he could be writing all of it. Knowing how television is done, I don't believe him. He's just but, in the room. <laughs> but uh, I, I would not be shut. I mean, Rod Serling, you know, from Twilight Zone, was known to be like a writing machine who wrote all yeah. the time. He needed other writers to come in and help him. And I'm like, I'm sorry. There's just not a writer who is better than than rod sterling at this well so that could be wrong he could very well be doing it on his own i'm very doubtful 
You think, well, and there is a reason that writers are striking right now. You know yeah. what I mean? It's all about actually getting credit for the work that is done. Um, now, let me ask you this, though. Um, in terms of this, just to get back on track a little bit, um, the Wyoming aspect of this movie, now going from like from Shane to this, I love that it, I, I love that it uh, depicts a very different side of that state that you would normal that is normally never depicted. You know, you get this like, I mean, we were talking about the NFL. I could have sworn this t- took place in Alaska for some reason. I think I was mixing it up with that uh, with a different movie, but Without you know, show. Yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> yeah. out cold. Yeah, yeah. This, I'm sure Zach Galifianakis was in this at some point, yeah. right? <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen's going to get in a hot tub. No, no, this is not this movie. It must this be. a shockingly uh, lack of a shocking lack of hot tubs in this movie. <laughs> um, no, but it just it paints that different picture. And I don't know how much of it was filmed in Wyoming, but you know, I, I think we picked three very different movies at different eras that depict this state in a very different way. Well, yeah, it is. It's because it's like, it's almost in whiteout, almost the entire yeah. movie. And, uh, and it sort of does give you, it's the, the, the underlying thing of, see, like Shane is, we want to be out here and against the elements and we want right. to sort of like live and fight on this land. Whereas like the other side of this one is that it gets into the idea of it being very desolate. And yeah. the kind of place that can kill you if you don't understand it. And yeah. when you know when it when it snows, when the weather changes, this is a very dangerous place, very desolate. And then you add on the sort of the reservation sort of side yeah. to it as well, which is like the poverty and the like. You know, the fact that they're just abandoned by this government yeah. that doesn't even consider you get them. you get a bigger uh, scope of the culture, even though it's it, it it sheds a light on just how bleak that can be for some people. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I mean, like, so, so those guys, that, the guys that end up murdering, you know, one of their co-workers and attacking yeah. his girlfriend is because they're just like, their whole sort of thing is just they're like... They're bored. They're fucking oh, bored. Yeah. I'm in the middle of nowhere and there's no women and I'm just going yeah. crazy. And it's like... After like the fifth circle jerk, you know, you got to go into town. And- <laughs> <laughs> First four were fine, but... Yeah. Yeah. It gets, it gets tiring. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, I think, you know, like there was another little sort of reaction against it as well. For example, like the lead, uh, the girl that dies at the beginning, who was one of the main characters in Yellowstone, uh, Kelsey as Bill Chow. There was some like, you know, you may notice from the name Chow, uh, not Native American. You know oh. what I mean? So there, there was a little bit of criticism of bringing in characters who weren't native to play native characters when there's not exactly right. a shortage of people that can play these right. roles. Right. You know, so that, so that again is another criticism. But I have to be honest, we're only bringing that, but that's just nitpicking. We're, nit, yeah. we're nitpicking because it's like, you know, honestly, nothing and no one is perfect. Um, and like, if you just want to just watch this movie as a movie, right, it right. is an exceptionally well made movie telling a great story very well. Um, we're, do, we're doing our best with what the studio would allow us to do. <laughs> I mean, I guess that that's yeah. one way yeah. of putting it. But let's. Yeah. Take that as a great segue, what the studio will allow us to do. And let's jump over to the one that I brought to the table, which is, you know, a classic, Close Encounters of the Third Kind from 1977, Steven Spielberg. But because this is where he cashed in his first blank check, which is another great podcast. We were listening to that. Um, But it's because Jaws had blown up, just blown up the world mm-hmm. you know much like jaws blows up at the end of jaws um spielberg sort of like he had been wanting to make this movie and 
it was like uh, the the studio were like okay uh, and then initially it was going to be a 2.7 million dollar budget the studio was like all right so we're going to do two sharks this time right <laughs> he's like no. yeah yeah but, uh, but in a way, in a way. It, he, he ended up making it for just under 20 million, almost like, wow. you know, thank goodness it was a massive financial success because it could have completely destroyed the studio. Um, but if you haven't seen this movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Steven Spielberg, Richard Dreyfuss, uh, Melinda Dillon, Terry Garr, Francois Truffaut. Frankie Truffles, baby. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's everybody knows. Uh, I know Simmons that Frankie Truffles. Uh, I saw that name. I'm like, whoa, the director? Like. The cloud of Spielberg to be like, I got it. We're yeah. Get and the, and the fact that it's like yeah. one of the first names that comes up is like yeah. Francois Truffaut as even names his character. That it's mm-hmm. like such a like, like a thank you very much. But it's it's interesting that like as I was getting into reading a little bit about it, like initially Spielberg first considered doing a documentary about people that believed in UFOs. And then I'm watching this movie, a movie that I've seen so many times especially when I was younger and a movie that I haven't actually watched in probably over yeah. 10 years at least. Same. Yeah. Um, when I was watching it was realizing I, I, that was my little note that I took. I go, it feels like a documentary. Yeah. You know, this yeah. does, this movie feels so different. I remember, you know, cause it's not ET. It's, it's not that sort of classic Spielbergian like romp of, of adventure romp. It's sort of very real, very yeah. scary in times. And like, yeah. I mean, one thing we're really going to have to get into in a minute, but it's about like the completely dysfunctional, messed up family that Richard Dreyfuss is in. Like this 80s family where the mum threatens the children with beatings all the time and everyone is screaming and he's not really paying attention. Yeah. And then she abandons him and he goes off with another woman. And I'm like, whoa, this is all It's really crazy. Cool. Yeah. And while you watch every Spielberg movie now through the lens of like the Fablemans and you're like, ah. Uh, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. I, I even said, like, while we were watching it, I was like, yeah, I wonder if uh, Spielberg comes from a family of divorce. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting that vibe. Yeah. What gave it I, this away? Movie, yeah. I'm, well, I'm sure we'll get to the, the the ending of this movie. Like, took me by, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. Here's my question. Which version did you guys watch? I didn't know there oh. were more than one. There's three versions. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, each one longer than the last. Uh, well, actually, no. No, the opposite. The director's oh, cut and special edition are actually three minutes shorter. Only three minutes? I think yeah, you could uh, charitably cut two hours out of this movie uh, <laughs> and not miss anything. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but I love. I mean, this movie opens with like the most Indiana Jones inspired opening. It's oh, yeah. so so good. You know, they're in Son- Sonora, Mexico, or like something like that. Son- yeah, Sonora they're, Desert. They're, yeah, they're in the Mexican desert, and yeah. it just like sets the tone for it. it just rewatching a Spielberg movie and you're, I'm watching like how he moves the camera around and it's, it just, it's, it's so unbelievable. Yeah. I was and having all of those reactions to, I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, there's a reason, I mean, we were talking very similarly about Jaws. It's like this yeah, guy just yeah. knew it from the mm-hmm. beginning and it's like, yeah, very much where they find all of these old um, world war two fighter jets just in the middle of the desert. And it's, that's it. It's, it's, there's so much show, not tell. There's so much kind yeah, of like much, much like Jaws. They're like, yeah. you don't, you all you see is really like reaction shots of people, like close ups on their face, or just is stunned. Like when the you know, and that you get the face of the little boy when he's in the kitchen, he's just like giddy. Yeah. But you, but you as a viewer, you're like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. What is he seeing? That's I that's mean, when scary. I texted you guys the picture because you know, as much as I have been ranting about the kid from Shane, you know, you then <laughs> juxtapose it with some of the best face acting of a child in mm-hmm. a movie ever. 
like that kid with no dialogue walks in, is blown away because yeah. clearly he's looking at an alien, yeah. then has a face of wonder and then joy. And I'm like, give yeah. that kid an Oscar. Yeah. And I then mean, it's, but then you get the worst mother on the planet <laughs> coupled with that. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that, that kid, he was, uh, he was such a presence and such a good actor that Kubrick wanted him for The Shining. He's oh, like, I wow. want that. Yeah, I can see that. And then it didn't work out because that kid was in too much demand. Yeah. You know. Uh, the mum, Melinda Dillon, um, also, also the mum from A Christmas Story. Um, oh, yeah. Very right. very 80s mum, as in like, and you know what? Really quickly as well, this kid has toys that I was jealous of for my, my entire childhood. Yeah. Every, oh. Everything had batteries in it. And they, they batteries were included. And they're big, like, you know, metal police cars and stuff like yeah. that. I'm like, what? The, what did I have cool toys like that? Even now, I'm like, I wish I had that police car. <laughs> cool shit. Um, but this movie, it, it's, it's shot incredibly. Like, I just love, like you're saying, the Indiana Jones S beginning of that. And then we kind of get the guy, the, the cartographer. That's little the little thing that pays off. My like, favorite Bob Bob Balaban. I love but, him. You know, he's just there to translate. But there's that that scene ends with they they do a wipe, but they do it with sand. A, yeah, sand. You know, it just that like, took took us out of that scene. I go, wow! Like they and the challenge of shooting that scene like that must have been an absolute bloody nightmare. Yeah. And then like they literally went to India and they got that really cool shot of like where did this sound come from and all the the fingers coming. Yeah, great, great shot. Um, you know, finding the that boat in the middle of nowhere in Mongolia. Which I assume that was either a matte painting or a miniature that they shot in forced perspective. I think it was it, everything looked. Yeah, it looked everything yeah. in this movie looked so good. And I miss. I know I say that all the time, but I, you miss that era of this practically done effects to a point where they don't even use the word computer in the credits at all. It's all ph- photography effects. Which yeah. is so great. I think one of my my favorite shots I've always remembered, and I was watching it. I'm pretty sure, so I was. I realized it must have been a miniature, but it's it's a shot of uh, Richard Dreyfuss's truck just driving across the the country, and you get the shadow of the UFO. Oh yeah, over yeah. The top I was wondering, but even like how they did the like the clouds bleeding in, like how, yeah, how like it's. So I wanted cool. to talk about that. That's where because no. that's what we're going to talk about right now is because. 1977, much like we were talking about Blade Runner with Carrie, is that like it's a movie that is it's looks better than movies made today. And yeah. it's because they are using, and I, I still go back to kind of what I was saying in, in the Blade Runner episode of like when you are limited by be it situation, budget, or the, the time constraints or the time that you're in, you right. get creative. And the effect of those clouds coming down like outside that house and the lighting that's going on inside the clouds. And then, yeah. you know, when we finally, you know, get that, um, you know, they don't hide it. They don't do the jaws of it. They don't hide the UFO until the very end of the movie. You know, we actually yeah. get them in that sort of first scene with Richard Dreyfus of like, it, it's on top of him. We see that shot the of the, the lights pulling up behind his car and then like Plus. lifting up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the That's fact that so they cool. just established that <laughs> yeah, like yeah. two minutes before of waving around, waving yeah. around. And then you get that next brilliant special effect of like gravity not suddenly going weird in his yeah, truck. Yeah, just kind of lifts up. Yeah, yeah, so like, so, and you know they're doing it by rotating the truck, and but they've got the lighting fixed in the background, so you don't feel like the car is rotating. It's such a brilliant, yeah, like incredible yeah. effect that... Mm-hmm. Through this whole movie, I'm like, how do they do it so well then? And people fuck it up all the time now. 
is is that, that question for me is like, how have we not learned like, that these things are just better when you do it like practically, when you do it with miniatures, when you, you get out there and just design something for real. Studio interference. <laughs> well, <laughs> Sorry. You, you, back then you had to pay artists because it, you know, mm. there were like actual, you know, they were actually like working on the stuff. These days you can put it all under CG effects. Yeah. You can bankrupt an, a, a VFX studio and just move on to the next one and underpay them the entire time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you just meet, so it's better for the studio, but, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't lend itself to very memorable scenes. No. I was know? thinking that too, even towards the end, I'm like, God, if this were made today, the whole, it would just all be CGI and it would just feel like lifeless versus having these huge matte paintings and miniatures with, with the, with the sound and the lighting, <clears throat> there's something just a, a CGI scene just can't capture. Well, it's, the it's word so you just used right there was perfect. It's lifeless is it, yeah. it is. And because this movie feels alive. I mean, I'm still flabbergasted that during that night scene, um, when the UFOs are kind of popping up all over Indiana and, um, Richard Dreyfuss is kind of like chasing them down the the light, the way that the, they emanate light it, yeah. onto the, the things around them. It's, it's just it, onto people's faces as things go by that it just, yeah. you convinced me they were this, there. This movie is the reason we have the intro to the Wraith. You gotta understand. Hundred I think you even said that yeah. on our on our on our Arizona episode. It feel like watching that again. I'm like, oh man, this is, I gotta watch the Wraith again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the little red dot from Close Encounters. Yeah, it's the white dot from the beginning of the Wraith. As it sort of yeah. so I've got my it's Wraithing time T-shirt on. Yeah, right yeah, baby. Nice. Available. We'll, on we'll, 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 we'll link to that on the on the YouTube channel. <laughs> we'll put it on our Facebook page. We'll put it on our Reddit as well. Um, but yeah, it's great. I love this T-shirt. It's one of my favorite T-shirts. It's <laughs> a good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this movie from like from a, just a beauty standpoint and a special effects visual yeah. effects standpoint is a is incredible. What I had forgotten, kind of like I was saying, is how like it's the way it's actually done narratively and stuff like that. It's very confusing at times. Not like not that I don't understand it, but let's say whenever it's the family, it's yeah. just so much cross talk over talk screaming it's and crazy yeah. it's very disorienting um like uh, like that first scene is like one of his sons is oh just my in the background banging something to the point that i'm about to scream and then he finally does he's like do you want to die <laughs> you're about to die <laughs> and see but i see i thought that was like funny i didn't think of that as i didn't i didn't see that through a lens of dysfunction i just thought he was just he's a funny guy because he's got the line too they're like our dad said we can stay up and watch the Ten Commandments, and she goes, "This is a four-hour movie." He's like, "I said they can watch Five Commandments." I thought died. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just like <clears throat> he's just Richard Dreyfus being. But this quick funny, banter, you know? but it's like it's yeah. not sort of focused. I mean, another scene that I think is particularly effective <clears throat> that would anyone else would do way different is the two um, the air traffic control scene where two yeah. passenger jets are coming yeah. in and they are seeing a UFO. And any other one would have shots of planes in the sky and the pilots inside and, oh, there's a light out there. The whole thing plays out on an air traffic control scene and via radio. So, and the and way he framed that guy, shot with all these guys and that that's it. Like crams that frame. You've got, yeah, They're so all the talking guys over in shot and the, you've got the guy doing the radio. And I'm trying to listen to him talking to the yeah. planes, but the two guys at the front of camera are having another conversation that mm-hmm. depending on which one you're paying attention to, you either hear that yeah. conversation or you hear that conversation. But like 
that's what I think we've, like, like we said before, is Spielberg's so good at doing that. Of that's why a scene feels real. No one's waiting for their turn to talk. Yeah. They're all talking. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's chaos. Like yeah, he did, then he did it in ET. You know, the family dinner scenes. Like you, you brought that up before. It's it just feels very natural. You know, it feels real. Like how real people would talk. Right, but I, then it feels real because you hear these guys talking about what they're seeing, and so you're building it in your head. And you get that sort of distortion sound effect when the thing goes really close by. Whoa, that was close. And you kind of see it little blips on the screen. So for you, you're like, oh, man, like, this is what it would feel like. And, and then they go, I like that how, how it ends. Like, do you guys want to make a report? And they're like, I no, I don't even know what I would yeah. say. Yeah. Which it makes, then it makes you think. I'm like, what are these people seeing? What are these alien ships doing to them because they almost seem because the, t- the tone and how they talk completely changes you think they're being like brainwashed or something mm. like it's just well and i think it's very well timed for us to watch this because of all these ufo hearings and like you know all these videos now of of ufos and the you know the the, the government's going uh yeah <laughs> and everyone just like went okay <laughs> shrugs yeah and all the in the uh was they had the conference in Mexico now where yeah. they actually super real, totally legit uh, yeah. alien paper mache dolls. Internet for moving at the pace that it does because the aliens of, in this movie somehow look more realistic. Than, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. And these are probably the weakest part of the movie, actually. Yeah. It? I don't and it's so funny. I don't remember. I'm like, watch this, I'm like, I haven't seen it in so long. I'm like, do you even you see the alien like i thought they were just beams of light or something i just didn't i don't remember the the ending very well of them like all kind of shambling out which are, which is definitely just a bunch of little kids and yeah and alien costumes children in halloween costumes yeah like oh look at the aliens like ah, i don't know uh, yeah, you've got the scary one that's got really long limbs that kind of like you know why? Well, just why? disappears why? Like, yeah. Just, yeah. and then the other one the, the, the jesus one yeah, so you got that one that like is very like very much like. Uh, I was almost by the end of this movie, I was hoping for like a Mars Attack style thing where they all come out and just start vaporizing <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> and they like, here's your shitty kid. Let's vaporize. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fucking crazy. But again, like, and I, I'm not thinking like thinking in terms of this movie for Wyoming. I'm like, it really does take a long time, but it. It all spearheads at this point in Wyoming. Like the crux yeah. of this movie is set there. I don't know why, but there it is. Well, it's because, I mean, you know, what's really interesting as well is because everybody knows Devil's Tower because mm-hmm. of this movie, you right. know. But like an interesting part of the plot of this movie is that, you know, this is the 80s. You know, there's no yeah. Wikipedia so if you've never been to Wyoming or you've never read a magazine about travel, people are completely unaware of this sort of this icon, this, mm. this, this thing that is just so easily recognizable, which is like when I think Wyoming and because of this movie, the first thing that pops into my head is Devil's Tower because of this movie. And it just it looks otherworldly. Like I was getting into the how the what the hell is this? And they're like, they've got all these theories of this lava tube that got pushed up and then eroded down over time. But it almost looks like it was made with mashed potato and fork, you know, down the side. It's got these really interesting striations that, that, yeah, I mean, like, that, you know, I think, Ryan, you say this all the time, you know, take the state out of the movie. You know, if you took the Wyoming out of Close Encounters, you've taken the iconography. You've taken 
Yeah, I was worried about that too. I'm like, only a, a brief portion of this takes place in Wyoming, but it's the the core of the entire film. You know, like the the setting of it. It takes it takes. I checked it out. It takes like in the version I watched an hour and like 18 minutes to get to Wyoming, um, or maybe hour and eight minutes, something like that, uh, before we finally get there. Um, and and, I, and uh, it really is like Act Three of the movie, which takes an hour and a half to play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, uh, if I can get into that real quick, this is this is like the slowest movie, <laughs> like on the planet. There is probably thirty minutes worth of plot in this movie, and it, the version I saw is like close to two and a half hours long. Yeah, mine was two seventeen or something. Yeah, it was something like that, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like that last hour was so rough." I I was just, it, and it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous movie. It's brilliantly acted. But holy crap, there is like not enough story for this runtime. And what story is there is yeah. so weird. And like you were talking with the family and all that, the family just drops out of the entire yeah. thing. Yeah. And he's a totally different guy who has like no, who doesn't have a family. And he like, it's just, I, it's I don't know. Crazy it's crazy to me. so bizarre. It's crazy. Then So then they're all drawn like these all of these, this handful of people are drawn to the devil's tower in Wyoming for reasons unknown for the aliens. Yeah. And he gets there and it's fucking packed. And he just somehow bumps into Jillian is her name. Yeah. Jillian. I mean, they, yeah. they just happen to see each other in this super crowded area. They embrace and it's again, world's worst mother father combo. Well, I'd <laughs> uh, say she's a mom that has traveled to, to Wyoming to get her son back. But like wow. it, it, when you when you talk about like when you actually step back, much like like Will is pointing out, when you step back and just think about Richard Dreyfuss's character, he has lost his job. He's gone a little bit nuts. He's gone like building stuff in his house. His wife and his children leave him, and then he's like, you know what? I'm leaving the galaxy. I'm dipping yeah. out on you know. Yeah. Good luck raising my four children. I'm off going to space. And you're like, going, oh, what an interesting movie. Like, when you think about it, wait a minute, you're a dick. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I, that caught me by surprise. Like, out of nowhere, I'm like, wait, wait, what? He's going on the ship? He's gone? I'm yeah. just straight up, I'm out? <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, throughout the whole film, um, he just becomes more and more obsessed with the aliens. And I'm sitting there the whole time wondering, like, well, then – what are the aliens doing? They're just picking them up and just hanging on to them for a couple decades. Yeah, right. And, oh, here you go. You're back. And they're going to do what with Richard? Well, and they, Cause the people don't age. So maybe to them, it's like a very short period of time. Yeah. There is that line where like, Oh, Einstein was correct yeah. or something. You know, Einstein but, was probably one of them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, like yes. That. But like, even still it's like, but what are they? Well, why? What is like, their mission? Movie, what is their mission? You know, yeah. yeah. He goes off to be with the aliens and I'm just yeah. sitting there like, so what did I what did I just watch? Like what is the point of right, what right. I just saw? They show up to put on the world's dopest concert. That's it. <laughs> 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 I always thought that the, the whole end scene, scene like the battle of the bands. Yes. Like, I always thought the end takes place like inside the Devil's Canyon. Meanwhile, it's it's right. just on the back. It's just on the back. Right. The one side no one thought to look at. <laughs> my but my favorite bit is you know, when they all go, they the government has to figure out how to clear out this area because they know something's going to happen at this canyon. So they, they've 
figure out the greatest plan. And they're going through this list. It's like, I don't know, train derailment, anthrax. They go through all this. They come up with this sleeping agent that knocks uh-huh. everything out for six hours, right? So they're all on the helicopter and they're trying to figure out like what we're doing here. Richard Dreyfus takes off his mask off. He's like, it's all bullshit. And the one guy is like, ah, the air's better than LA. And they go through this whole thing and the dude gets <laughs> gassed and he me- he misses this whole thing that yeah. happens. I want I this guy's story. He just wakes up the next day like, what did I miss? <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, come on. I love that scene where you're talking about they're going through like anthrax and all that. Cause one yeah. of them says, uh, well, nobody would buy a plague. Like, yeah, anymore. dude. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Give it a couple yeah. decades, buddy. I loved it. Oh my God. I, Me I too. Looked, yeah, I the line was, you can't do that. Cause there's always some Yahoo that thinks he's immune. And I went, yeah. well, that's a bit on the nose. <laughs> yeah. And I got started to hold COVID. <laughs> and this was three years after Jaws. This was 77. 77. No, really? Yeah. yeah. 77, right around right before you know, first Star Wars and stuff. Was like this that. before or released before or after Star Wars? But it's like, yeah, we had this Star Wars and Blade Runner all in the, like the period of like four or five years where it yeah. just was like, this is what we can do with movies. If you because like Will, I get your point about there being like no plot, but yeah. um and you kind of like you're trying to get into the why. Mm-hmm. I think the point of the movie is just is the what are they real? The what if it's so it's more just like the you know right. it's it's about that 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 close encounter of the third mm-hmm. kind. I was looking nice. into the five types of close encounter. Like the first one is if you're 150 yards. They had a horror movie come out called like the fourth kind, right? Or the fifth like kind. Now fifth is the, when you get taken up onto the ship and experimented. Um, so there are like fi- five types. Fired. Like Fire in the Sky, great movie. Uh, oh my God, Fire in the Sky! That is a fucking movie, man. That one, we that was Arizona, right? It's Arizona, I think so. Yeah, yeah. My wife, yeah. that's a. I saw that one. That one shat me up, right? Yeah, proper good. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, the thing about it, yeah, is but it's also got a little bit of that thing that you know Spielberg is guilty of um, forever, uh, almost is his kind of like um, his optimistic. Um, rose-tinted glasses naivety of, you know, here we have, like, the the aliens coming down and the government is, like, no one's trying to shoot them. It's no one's trying. It's not Independence Day. <laughs> They're all smart scientists who just want to communicate and work together, which is, like... And, and they figured that out real fast. Like, the communication <laughs> thing, like, almost immediately is, like, the, the sound waves and everything. It's... The, I like the bit. Yeah. I've always thought it. I want to know if you guys thought it. But did you notice any other famous theme um oh jaws like, at the end for the sure jaws theme. yeah oh yeah oh 100 it's and they go is it and they do it like three uh, more uh, times they go yeah. oh they're just doing a straight up jaws yeah. reference yeah. but my favorite capture i really like jaws which I, I text you guys the the one character that stood out to me was the old crazy man who's who mm. claims to have seen bigfoot who goes on to be kevin McAllister's old man neighbor in home alone I recognize that voice. I'm like, no fucking way. Deep cut, bro. Deep mm-hmm. cut. Awesome. I like that guy. That guy's yeah. always been old. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly, yes. But yeah, I mean, much like, you know, right at the beginning when we first see him, he is just whistling on the side of a road in yeah. Indiana where this two, three-year-old boy is just running in the street. Like, what do you say? Worst mother ever. She can't keep up with this three-year-old that just goes running through the, yeah. the Indiana countryside and ends up in the middle of a road. <laughs> I mean, this and kid the guy is. Goes, Sup? He doesn't go yeah. get the child out of the road. He just sort of whistles in his yeah. general direction. Yeah. Oh man, I, that whole that whole scene of her chasing after this kid, this uh, another equally shitty kid, but just way more charming. 
that the whole point like yeah. this kid gets abducted this woman does barely anything to try and like i mean maybe she's in shock i don't know but it just seems like she's really not doing her best right <laughs> and then single mom man it's not it's easy like the, the aliens like i said the aliens show up at the end they're like here's your fucking shitty kid <laughs> Take him back. This, this kid sucks. Back. We got the Shane the... kid. We got the Shane kid back there. He'll do. <laughs> See the overlaps with Shane as well as I was saying to you guys. This kid might be annoying, but he's got excellent cardio. Yeah, because he, he yeah. runs after Shane on a horse, runs the entire way, yeah. outruns a dog. I'm like, okay, this kid might be annoying, but he's got a future in long distance running. I tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> much, much like this kid from Close Encounters. Um, but let's talk about. I think. What I think is the scene of Close Encounters, it's the one that I think you can see pictures of. It's just the abduction scene of the young boy. Oh, yeah. Played out from inside the house with incredible lighting work going on, the practical lighting work, things going off, every machine kicking off, and it's just classic Spielberg-y sort of stuff. That um, it's... I remember watching that as a kid, scared the shit out of me. Yeah. You know, like the way the screws are undoing themselves and stuff like that. Ooh. You almost, I almost wish you could, could have, could Spiel, Spielberg could have done just like a straight up horror movie. Horror movie you know, yeah. like I know there, you get glimpses of it in like this and Jurassic Park and like all kind of all of his movies have, like he's such a good horror director that you almost wish he would do, would have done like a really good horror film. Just go straight, full on dark dark horror movie the whole thing i think he would be incredible because he's great at jump scares and he's but they're never like forced you know what i mean they don't even build up to it he just gives you this like one i've always liked is richard dreyfus's jump scare when his his uh, flashlight flashlight. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like it's a great little moment oh yeah 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 i mean no i i totally agree i mean you know there's always those rumors i don't quite believe it that he ghost directed poltergeist because toby hooper is a great director um, oh, but I've, had those, I've had those rumors too. But the thing is, you watch yeah, Poltergeist, I, I it don't, looks like Spielberg directed. It looks like it, but I, but I think Spielberg has too much respect for Toby Hooper, who was really, he was an amazing director yeah. too. I don't quite buy the rumors, but, um, but yeah, you really do see, see like his horror skills in this. And yeah, I, same thing. That's, I think that's the best scene in the whole movie. Um, by far is mm-hmm. that it's so scary it's so like uh, him the I, him opening the door is so iconic and you yeah the, the well, see i was gonna red. say will i think it's one of the best scenes in movies yeah oh, for sure <laughs> yeah 100 it, it's iconic you it's know, right then, up there with zach galifianakis fucking the jacuzzi you know exactly <laughs> very 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 close one and two not quite that level but it's you know, <laughs> <laughs> the tension, it's the like, close-ups. <laughs> it's like in the race, right? Where <laughs> you make a good point, though. Like you, this. I mean, structurally, it's not a great movie. Like, there's a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces, and none of them quite fit together. But it, it does stick the landing. I would say, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know if it does it for me because at the end of the movie, I was just like, "What? Did, well, why? Why? Yeah. My, if you my, want a better movie, just watch Batteries Not Included." Right. I love that movie, and I yeah. had that same it goddamn is, yeah. thought when the aliens start coming. Because they just end. look like they use the same ships, but just shrunk them yes, down a little bit. Yes, you know. that's the exact same thought yeah. that I had, and I was like, "Oh, I used to love that movie. I watched it all the time. I had it on VHS. That's one of my so favorites. so good." It's a great movie that yeah. often gets overlooked. Nobody talks about it. And it never turns up anywhere. And it's on no streamers. I'm like, Batteries Not Included is a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. God, you haven't I agree. seen it yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> the little bit where the little oh. guy and he's trying to fix the building and he's putting his little foot down to put it at the end. No, I'm 100. I'm just going to watch Baddies Not Included. Yeah. Today. That's and I'm definitely doing. not crying. <laughs> <laughs> Should we all watch it together in live text? That'll be great fun. Um, there's 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 so much. Like I remember um, I was reading. Uh, yeah, Steve McQueen was Spielberg's first choice for uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character. Richard Dreyfuss's character. Um, and McQueen's like, I can't cry on cue. That's the, not the first time we've heard that with uh, McQueen turning down a role, is that McQueen's like, I can't cry. You know, i got to play cool roles. I can't cry. Um, James Kahn, Dustin Hoffman, Al Pacino, Gene Hackman all turned it down. Jack Nicholson declined it because of scheduling conflicts. And he goes, and he's like, he's like, while he was filming Jaws, Richard Dreyfuss talked me into casting him. Um, so it's like, uh, but I think Richard Dreyfuss is brilliant. Yeah, I could oh, see James Conn in this too, though. That now that you said it, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah but I feel like he would have like him. slapped an alien. <laughs> hey, yeah, backhand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's your point? Yeah. Richard Dreyfus has that just that 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 vulnerability to him. You know, I I think he works so well in this. And he's just got yeah. that kind of like you know that sort of like nasally kind of just like, like uh, did you say dustin hoffman on that list because this is the only other person i was thinking of that could have been like oh i yes. could see that and that the very similar character type i could like i i agree with you actually yeah. i think dustin hoffman could have done this movie quite well yeah, yeah it might have had a darker edge to the character but I, I i agree i think he would have been really good um two things two bits of casting i want to bring up is one lance henriksen not looking scary uh, in a movie I saw his name in the credits. I was like, I don't remember who he played. I think he had like two lines. Yeah. yeah he's, he's in the background. He, he hands a thing over. He's, there's a couple okay. of close-ups when he's just looking at the aliens at the end. But yeah, Lance Henriksen. But also, uh, I think he just spotted this like right before we got on, but it's um, one of the military police officers, Carl Weathers. Oh, Carl sure. Action Jackson Weathers. Oh, yep. yeah. In a teeny tiny, teeny tiny little role. It's um, like Cuba Gooding Jr. showing up in Blown Away. <laughs> So yes, so all of all of these movies have excellent production value. So uh, this may surprise you specifically because it's Spielberg as well, but because of his experience on Jaws on location, he wanted to do this whole movie on a studio lot, which when you watch it, it's the exact opposite. It's almost all shot outside on location in a house that's in an actual neighborhood because you can see the neighborhood through the window so yeah. you know i can't even why well, you know i was about to say i can't even imagine what this movie would be like if it had only been shot in a studio by spielberg but i do know that's the fourth indiana jones movie that's why the fourth indiana jones movie is completely different to all the other ones because there's no location shoots basically it's all wow. shot on sound stages which is why it feels so not quite right to me when i'm watching it um, yeah, which can work for a movie, but not a globe-trotting adventure like that, you know. Yeah, right. and not not close encounters, mm-hmm. you know, because you get those beautiful sweeping shots. Just so many of them. The bit where, yeah. you know, they're they're trying to break into to Wyoming and they're going off, you know, through the country, and yeah. you just get these amazing, but now, you, beautiful that shot America. where they're all they're all on the hill waiting for the ships to come. Was that that seems like it was a studio. Yeah, you can see know, that's right? that's so they've built or a map painting or something. Yes, they've kind of they've built a, but it's. I was always impressed by how they've, the sense of scale always works. Yeah, when they shoot it from high or they shoot it from distance and they put it into the situation, they go, "Oh, that's some good comping going on there." Yeah, that they've got. Yeah, they've got like the map painting or just like a still of the image, and they've put like they've built this set, which is the whole like like yeah. you said the uh, 
Order crew, figure it out, man. Figure it out. Tell us, tell us how they did the clouds. I my first thought was like, oh, they just dropped ink in water, but man, it just seems. I think it's along those lines of it being sort of like uh, the smoke is has got a sort of a heavier gas in it, and then you you pour it out onto um, glass that the camera is underneath. Um, They've done sort of similar effects like that when it was like um, the the. This is why um, we need Carrie Byron back on the show. Yeah, we know. She, she knows that. <laughs> but that Charlton Heston, like, um, you know, the Ten Commandments kind of stuff. They've yeah, got there incredible you go. techniques that they use similar Which, sort of things. funnily enough, he's they're watching in this movie. Yes. You know? Yep. Um, good good callback. And also, like, Pinocchio. There's all these little Pinocchio. Yeah. Like, um, you even get the Pinocchio theme plays very slightly in the at the end with John Williams as well. Um, mm. But what I'm sort of like, trying to do is segue into our, you know, the, the what we do on this podcast is to try right. to yeah, the, oh, that, defines, yeah. that defines the state. And I think this one, good Lord, guys, I think there may be another three hours to this podcast because, because they all bring something to the table that is, that is legit. So like I said, that's all, they all feature sh- shooting in Wyoming. So they, they've all got that tick. Um, you've got close encounters with the iconography. Like I said, that we talked yeah. about that even only a small amount of the movie takes place in Wyoming because of what he does with Devil's Tower, it is it is like a stamp. I mean, it is it is incredible movie stamp. Wind River, like we were discussing, has that feel of desolate and, and isolation and and everything else. You know, that gives us a different different look. And then Shane is the pound for pound, like you know, almost like come out of the gate favorite because it's it's just is. It's entirely shot on location. It's entirely representative. But of course, as we've discussed in other times, and even like how Carrie did with with Blade Runner, is mm-hmm. you know it's a time of the past. Wind River is very much a time of the now, and then Close Encounters is just iconic movie. Yeah. Where are we going to land on this one? I'm sorry, so- there's no cyberpunk thriller set in Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> Yet there is a Blade Runner TV show coming out. Maybe it's going to be set in Wyoming. But um, yeah, only go for it, guys. What do you What do you guys think? This This was. I mean, this 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 was a difficult challenge for sure. And um, I think like with Shane, I yes, it's it's all Wyoming. But could you set that same movie anywhere else, and it would more or less be the same? Like if it I was mean, set in a Utah, Arizona, like would that? change the dynamic of the film i mean yes but i mean like, i mean another movie i i love um it's open range which is like a kevin costner mm-hmm. movie um which is very yeah. sort of similar it's telling a yeah. similar story about you know this sort of open range but that i think the central sort of chat of the movie the central plot is very defining for wyoming because it had that okay. whole because it's the idea of open range and homesteading you know, that's, that's why it sort of fits in, but it's also okay. just, I mean, the look of it, those shots with those, the Grand Tetons in the background, yeah. with, with the, yeah. the, 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 the general store in the foreground, I was astounded. I mean, like, yeah. I wanted to move to Wyoming. <laughs> that, with that said, I can probably eliminate Wind River from the conversation just because I don't think it captures the right uh, essence of what we're trying to do. I think you, you know the, you kind the of subject matters too duck. I I, I do, you but I say I, that wi- you don't want to say that Wyoming is defined by the fact that Native women are disappearing and getting murdered. Is that kind of you, what you're you saying? said it? You said it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, I but yeah, I, yeah, I I don't want like 
I think I forgot what other one it was. I really don't want this movie to win because I don't want people to think that's how we we're perceiving them to be depicted. I understand. Yeah. I I get why you're saying it. Um, But it's like one of the reasons I'm not on social media. So you can't come after me. (laughs) That being said, leave a comment in the (laughs) comment. Go go to our Reddit. Um, (laughs) Though I would say like, but Wind River is giving us this more modern, realistic, you know, feel. I mean, I would say, so counterpoint is right. that Shane is, you know, the past. It is this 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 whole thing, kind of like so sort of giant was. And Close Encounters is it's visually, yes, but it's not really giving us the Wyoming of it. We we get to yeah. see it. We get to see the expanse of it. We get to hear references from the, the army saying, you know, those ranches, they're gonna be hard to do, yeah. and like talking yeah. about how how it works and how there's like, you know, so much space and, and everything else. Um but you know, Wind River is just like straight up. This is the reality of. So is is it, I would say is Wind River in fact not to be got rid of? Is it leading the pack? You know, <laughs> I like staring the pot. Will get it involved. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think I think with Wind River, um, I think there's actually a couple of states like that could have filled the same like needs that Wind River did story wise. Like it could have been set in Alaska. And I don't, I don't think it would change a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be different tribes for sure. Um, but it wouldn't change the story a great deal. Um, Shane is, uh, like you said, Ollie, it deals a lot with homesteaders. And the big thrust of that story is you've got kind of big evil land barons trying to push out, you know, the, the settlers, mm-hmm. the little guys. Plus you got the iconography of, you know, the mountains of Wyoming. Yeah. Um, Close Encounters for me, because it takes so long to get to Wyoming, and then the, really the only thing you see is Devil's Tower. Right. It's iconic, but that's not the state. And even when we're dealing with everything there, it's not really dealing with the Wyoming of it all. It's dealing with aliens are showing up. Yeah. Mm. But you got you can't deny the fact that this movie made such an impact that people were flocking to Devil's Oh, yeah. Screen there yeah, every night. Like, like, they do a screening yeah. of the movie that's at Devil's cool. Tower. That's cool. I, I'm, I'm tending to, you know, I was, when I was, again, just this, the idea for this podcast was coming, but one of the other ideas I had was just this kind of like a, a road trip around America to go to sort of like these iconic movie places because for that exact reason, like Ryan, you're like on, yeah. on the head is, I want to go to that place. I mean, it's, it's even like in the movie Paul. You know, with Nick, Nick yeah. Frost yeah. and Simon Pegg, is that that's where they end up, like, as well. It's that yeah, little cool. sort of, like, that reference. Is well. You mean oh, you could have picked Paul and you went with Close Encounters? God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. I had I remembered. I 100%. But you yeah. know what? You know, you will. You've, you've, your, your counter to my counter was a good one with Wind River, is that you know what? You're yeah. right. We could have set this in a, in a Dakota or in a, an yeah. area where there are other reservations. It could have been a Colorado. It could have told the exact same story because it is a story that is unfortunately true right. and is happening all over the state. So, all right. Okay. I'm, I'm willing to eliminate wind river because of that was a very good point. So wind river, <laughs> that one. Okay. Don't worry. I'm going to breathe a sigh of relief uh, from there. Uh, Ryan, but now it's that a- said, if I had to put him head to head, I'm going, I, 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 you can't deny the fact that you like, you cannot, as I always say, you cannot take the Wyoming out of close encounters, but I think, Going head to head, I think Shane is the 
is the bigger draw. And this is, that was why I keep saying we need a point scale here, guys. We got to, we need like facts and data and charts and well, figures. See, I get what you're saying, but also is like, there's this, this just, if we go only on facts and figures, then it yeah, will just it like, oh, this one made more. This one's got 18 minutes more footage. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's, you've got to feel it. And I'm like, I'm liking this because it feels like a heavyweight battle now. Close encounters uh-huh. versus Shane. <laughs> Because Shane, because Shane but, is. I mean, to me, if you're going figures data, I mean, even in the first five minutes, I was like, Shane's going to win because this mm-hmm. has got Wyoming yeah. all over it. But then, yeah. Close Encounters has they've got better PR, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's it's one. It has survived the test of time since the seventies. It is like it is iconic. And, where Shane um, is like, oh, did you see Shane? It's. Yeah. It creates yeah, that's a story true. Yeah. that has lived forever. Yeah. That's yeah. very true. That's fair. It's it's safe to say maybe Shane even inspired Spielberg in some aspects. I don't know. Uh, I well, it's it's inspired every single Western ever made and every single like you know, like you said, it's 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 inspired the Mandalorian. <laughs> so even yeah. now, Shane's effect, the yeah. ripple of Shane continues through all of the, the media that we're yeah. watching, but that's not because of the Wyoming, that's because of the screenplay. The story, yeah, for yeah. sure. So, yeah, and I will say that the, the devil's start like you, yeah, you can't take um, you you can't take the Wyoming as little of it as in the movie. You can't take it out of Close Encounters because it changes the it's the apex. Like it's it's where everything converges at that point. You know, see the 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 logic in me wants to say shame, but the movie guy in me wants yeah. to say Close Encounters. And I'm not yeah. going to lie, I'm leaning towards Close Encounters until one of you guys is going to say something that's going to change my mind. I, I love Close Encounters, but his character is kind of a dickhead, like all <laughs> things considered. He just, but he's he's Indiana, so we can't Fair. blame Wyoming yeah, on that. He, oh, perfect. <laughs> right, 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 right. Right, no, but just the character, I mean, for the movie in general, like he just, he basically goes nuts, tells his family to fuck off, and then leaves with a bunch of alien. Like a little alien children, mind you. Like, what is he doing on that ship? What are, what's the goal here? <laughs> I will say, I will say that, that Close Encounters wasn't the, it's a different movie than I remembered it being. Yeah. I think I would recommend everybody listening, go back and watch Close Encounters, but actually watch it. And you're just like, yeah. they don't make movies like this. This is very, this is a very ballsy approach. I was going to say, it's a ball for, for, coming right off of jaws to do this type of film was pretty and pretty i'm sure it made a ton of money yeah it made like 300 million dollars yeah like it was one of the i I was trying to picture myself as i often do like sitting in the theater watching this movie at that time would have been mind-blowing but the same would be said with shane although i i don't know if there were other western films kind of in that in that ethos at that time whereas there was nothing like close encounters at that time you know no one was yeah. doing it. And it's also go, burr, 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 burr. Yeah. yeah, it's the only movie that was based off of the game Simon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, just I, I thought of that. I'm like, Spielberg heard one of his kids playing Simon. He's like, I've got it. <laughs> I've I'm got the music to theme. my film. He goes, John, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> I'm partial to that theme because uh, I believe that's the Star Tours, like the original Star Tours Um that's cool. See, like just a little rearranged. I love that ride. So. <laughs> yeah, classic ride. I love that one as well. Ooh, ooh. Okay, boys, come on. I, I'm leaning towards Close Encounters. I, I think the movie fan in me. Yeah. It, like, and I think a little bit of just the bias of this is the, like I said, the movie and the and the location that 
clicked yeah. this idea of this podcast for me. Fair. So yeah. I throw it to you guys. This is like this is kind of more of a. Democracy. I think no matter what we land on, the good people of Wyoming are going to have thoughts. <laughs> that said, I'd love to know what they what what they consider their like home turf. Like, no, this is our movie. You know, I, I I'm with you. hundred percent. That's it. I and be, I would begrudgingly go with um, Close Encounters just because it's. Uh, it, like it's you can't do. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible yeah. to remove Devil's Tower from yeah. the movie. It just yeah. It, like I said, as little of Wyoming as in the movie, the part that's there, it's substantial. It, you know? It's so important. It's such a linchpin of the movie that yeah. it can't be removed. Whereas, like, I I could set Shane in Arizona, for example, it would change right. it slightly, yeah. but not not a great deal. Right. Right. There's any oh. blanket Western could be set, but I, I don't think you can, you can't deny that the impact that Close Encounters has on Wyoming is just, yeah, is, yeah. is substantial. Yeah, you know, there you go. And that's something we got into in the North Carolina episode about how, you know, Dirty Dancing wasn't set there, but that that, that town is they now defined it. by yeah. it. Yeah. They have Dirty Dancing Day, Dirty Dancing Tours. And it's like, you know, like Will was saying, if you go to Devil's Tower, you can watch Close Encounters. You know, so there are certain yeah. movies that not to States keep bringing can, it up, but yeah. Detroit's got a RoboCop statue, and the whole thing was shot in Dallas. So, <laughs> that's mean. the same thing, exactly. Is that that's that debate that we get into the shot in versus setting? That there are movies that that aren't really about this place or this town or this state that define it in for those people and for that area. So, so have we? I mean, Will, you haven't like expressed it. No, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna go with Close Encounters as well. Okay, for... I'm amazed. I can't believe it. Um, I honestly another movie I never want to watch again. Like I don't yeah. want to watch. It. <laughs> like, it's, I, yeah, I, not, it's not it's quite an endorsement yeah. for me because yeah, I was yeah. super bored during this movie. But yeah, yeah I was too. But it's yeah. I still, I still actually, love it. Like, the the just, three movies that we picked are all kind of like a one and done. Yeah, you know, yeah. watch. You know, like, like. So there are people that listen yeah. to this podcast that are watching movies along with us. You guys send us messages. I love yeah, it. We love it. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Please. We genuinely love that you guys are yeah. doing this because we love doing it as well. But this particular week was like excellent movies. But you know, Shane Tough is watches. not a movie I'm going to be banging on again in the next ten yeah. years. Neither is Wind River, and neither is Close Encounters. They were all like, wow, yeah. and they were a thing and an experience. But it's not like. It's not like Master and Commander. It's not my sort of son. I was going to say, it's not like Requiem for a Dream, a, a nonstop laugh riot where you can just watch that over and over again. <laughs> Dude, my, or the Deer my, Hunter. My yeah. daughter. Yeah, Deer Hunter. I've seen that once, never again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my daughter was talking about, like, we've been, like, getting in about movies, and she was talking about how she wanted to watch Requiem for a Dream. I go, fuck no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not watching it. You can watch it. I'm not watching it. Like, you know, uh, I said, I don't think you're going to enjoy it, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> it's a little rough. Yeah, a little. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so there it is. Officially on the United States of Movie Podcast, we have chosen Close Encounters of the Third Kind as to be the defining movie to represent Wyoming, at least until somebody comes along with a better idea. And like we talked about earlier, um, and we'll touch on right now with our also rands, there's a lot of really great movies. Oh, yeah. Really, I almost it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be hard to usurp. Close encounters. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see where we are. Yeah, I think returning this. I think like we talked a little bit about it, but uh, for me, uh, Wind River was my instinctual, as yeah. was um, Unforgiven. And you know, I knew that Ryan, you were wanting to do Wind River because you 
initially thought it was Alaska when I'm we were kicking, doing kicking myself. For and me. then, um, and then I was going to do Unforgiven. Um, but then when Will, you bought Shane, I'm like, that's, I'm glad I didn't because it's basically yeah. the same movie. So it kind of pushed right. me into doing Close Encounters, sort of almost like I didn't yeah. want to, but then I realized it was the right choice, clearly. But um, were there other also rounds that we haven't mentioned that you can think <laughs> I, of? I think, was it Brokeback Mountain, another one? For yes. Yeah. yeah, we were, I think we were all kind of considering that at one point. Yeah. And I do very... have a story to tell about that if we ever get to that in the future. I'll save it for that podcast. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. That would have and been then, a good one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But like, I only ever got to see that on a plane, but that, on, so this tiny little screen. Mm. But it oh. was the stunning, stunning vistas. Yeah. That was like, I'm sure people are going to scream at us in the comments for not picking that one. Yeah. I was going to go with a, uh, a little movie called Any Which Way But Loose, which stars Clint Eastwood and a chimpanzee. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost picked that. It's but an orangutan. It's an orangutan. Yeah. Orangutan, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Does the entire movie take place in Wyoming? I have no idea. I've never seen it. Yeah, it just popped up on the list. I was like, oh, this sounds like a Ryan pick for sure. There's two, have, you, have you seen them both? I've seen both of them. I used to work, like, they used to come. There's with, two of them? Yeah, there's uh, Any Which Way But Loose and Every Which Way But um, Something. Like, any so Which Way But Can. Yeah. Same yeah, shit. So there's, there's a sequel with Clyde the Orangutan. Clyde. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you guys that I think when we come back to Wyoming, um, there's going to be a, an interesting debate. Yeah. Will, you were really close to picking Meet the Deedles. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a movie I have not seen uh, has terrible reviews, uh, but it's got Paul Walker as a surfer who has to make it in Wyoming. It Uh, sounds like out cold in Wyoming, and I'm all about it. I was so... I was honestly hoping, or like, and at the same time hoping no one did choose it. It's got so, but I, I want everyone. If you're listening right now, whip out your phone or something, but type in "Meet the Deedles." It's a Disney movie. The cover of it is ridiculous. It's got a ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and it is available right now on Disney Plus. It's got Dennis Hopper in it. Good lord! Yeah. It's got that kind of, but with every kind of like bad movie like this, you have to be careful because there's like hard ticket to white and the wraith bad but there's also like just, just pure bad there's so bad it's good and then there's just plain yeah. bad <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh shut my your, you shut your mouth <laughs> <laughs> dude you've got a blank check from me for the wraith uh so don't you <laughs> <Yeah>. worry <laughs> that you are li- that i came out of the gate living, hot with that one yeah it's I'm been living rent that. free in my yeah. head since basically we us. are the reason that amazon prime put that movie on like the day after wow. we released that episode I don't yeah. disagree. Yeah, I, I yeah. swear to God. You hear that, Bezos? We, uh, we created something in the algorithms that people are craving this movie. Mm-hmm. We need to make it available for free. Um, all right, fellas. That, that's a great one. So we just have to decide wow. where we're going next week. I already know where we're going next week. And we're going because we also get to bring back who's going to become our first all-star because it'll be her second appearance. We're going to go with South Carolina. We're going to get Beth Troutman back on the show. Yes. Um, so that we're going to just have some fun because it's so much fun with Carrie. I think, you know, I love it when we have guests on the show. Uh, it adds a little bit of something. Uh, and Beth Troutman has just insane movie knowledge, uh, especially when it comes to the Carolinas. So um, There's I'll two Carolinas? The- <laughs> I'll get you up on the group chat about where... Uh, where we're going with movies. But yeah, next week, we're going to go to the state of South Carolina. Uh, We're going to be getting Beth Troutman back on the show because that's just going to be a lot of fun. But um, until then, uh, don't forget, like we've had people reaching out to us, which is wonderful. Uh, Our Facebook page is now going. Our Reddit is uh, getting some interaction. 
Um, and we just love that people are coming along for this ride with us. Um, as always, uh, you can find me either as uh, Ollie Pettigrew, Ollie underscore Pettigrew, or that Englishman in Texas. You can find Will as Entitled Willennial. And uh, Ryan uh, is actually going to start putting up on our Facebook page and yeah. on our Reddit. We're going to start putting some of these T-shirts, some yeah. of this merch that he's been coming up with. He's brilliant. Uh, he came up with it. If you listen to our last episode, he's created a poster for the James Hong podcast. <laughs> I completely forgot I did that. That was, <laughs> that was, I gotta, I gotta get that to James somehow. <laughs> it was, yeah, get that frame and send it to that, James yeah. Hong. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, and that, that's it for this episode. So please keep reaching out, send us your suggestions. We do really listen to them and take them on board. Um, but until then, Thank you uh, for all of you watching on YouTube or listening at home for this latest episode of the United States of a Movie Podcast.